kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Um, Barry, can you help Margo, please? Um, uh, with me tonight is the hostess with the mostest, Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you tonight, Miss Jeannie? I, I'm good. I got crazy ass um, echo going though. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that ends eventually. Um, I think a lot of that has something to do with Mixler. I don't know what is up with that. Um, piece of software but it just generally doesn't seem to like all of our machines meshed together in here and the very best producer money can't buy very how are you tonight very oh i'm good we have okay. margo okay we should have hang on and miss margo no, she's she's <laughs> in but she's not clicked on that you know yeah no one of the nice parts about Discord, and I think I've said this before, is that it doesn't, I don't know, it's not a resource hog. It's not like Skype. It actually works when the weather is terrible, which is a good thing. Um, and I'm pretty happy with that. <clears throat> and at any minute, Miss Margot will be joining us. I I'm sorry I haven't had any updates from Alex on his bus tour, but um, <laughs> judging... <laughs> Judging from the photos I've seen and, and the things I see written, uh, I don't think Alex has time to pick up a phone and do that. I think he's just busy driving a lot. Uh, we found so, Margo. Yay! Hi! Hello. So if anybody had a chance to look at the show notes, I'm sure they're very impressed with all the happy, happy news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm pissed about schools and guns. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. That's a lot of money to be wasted like it is. Um, but before we do that, Barry, would you like to talk about Mr. Fergus and Mr. Puddlecoat's um, oh, incredulousness right. at the... Oh, the FCTC food? people, yes. Uh -huh. <clears throat> Today, the... Leader of the FCTC Framework Convention for Tobacco Control uh, tweeted about how delighted she was that uh, they are just awaiting the signature of a certain President Duarte in the Philippines on on their no smoking legislation. 
which will you know, yeah. ban smoking just about everywhere in the Philippines. Mm. Um, and yeah, F- Fergus uh, Mason had, had had a small rant about it. Uh, <laughs> I believe he's now referring to them as the World Hitler Organization. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, there's a reason for that. <laughs> and Clive Bates... Uh, yeah, was was not very uh, happy on Twitter either. Uh, it's like he, he you can give him a med basically to summarise Clive Bates. You'll have to wait a bit. You know, once he's killed all the drug users, then maybe you can give him a medal. Um, they really are and, the most. Yeah. So they, and Dick Puddlecoat blogged a bit about it as well. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, they they are despicable. World Health Organization is despicable. We've talked about them before. I just thought it it bear it bears repeating that they are a despicable lot of horrible human beings who yeah. really don't give a shit about anything except getting their own way. Well, I mean, shock. as I like as was mentioned today as well, uh, this comes on the back of a few not that many weeks ago, them criticizing the city and government for not being stronger on smokers. Yeah, you know, so pretty, I think saying they should have plain packaging and all this. It's like uh, I uh, think Syria might have a few larger problems, like airstrikes and and multiple murders on their hands right now. Um, so they're probably not too fucking concerned over whether you smoke in a war zone. Yeah, call me crazy. Yeah, uh, these people are pathetic and despicable. And yeah, I just thought we should talk about that briefly. Did you see where the Winston man sent his uh, medal back to who and told him where to put it? Yeah. No, I didn't see that, but that's awesome. That that's was good. sweet. That's good. Well, if anybody deserved to have a medal shoved up their backside, it's the who. Um, you know. Yep. Without the aid of a lubricating liquid. Oh, and bad. as usual, right, the person in charge of the FCTC in the WHO, yeah. do, do you know what she or, she originally did for, as a job? No. She was a school teacher. Of course. And she's now That's... in charge of global tobacco strategy for the United Nations, basically. That's fantastic. <laughs> Logical next step. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's like going from cookie on a stick to store management. That makes sense. I found that out today, obviously, with the story coming up. They are they are pathetic human beings. I don't like them, and they're wasting all this freaking time on first world problems when the people that really need their help are in the third world, and they're doing fuck all. Well, I mean, Syria down. and the Philippines, yeah, two two places that have lots of stuff to worry about other than smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Well. God. Okay, who wants to pick one? I, I think Jeannie made a. Get a call on the the gun one. The one about guns in schools. <laughs> you want to do that one first? Anyone? Don't everybody I'm jump sorry. in at once. Yes, don't please. Go for it. Okay, I'm trying to find it. What you don't understand about these shows? It's the very things. last one, Jan. Is they're like 74 pages long. <laughs> yeah, I picked the very last one. Go figure. Thanks. That's good. It's just as long as we don't have dead air. That's oh, and happy birthday to Kevin. Uh, I I see people are uh, posting a lot on his Facebook. So yay, happy birthday to him. Um, was did anybody see any of that 
horrible debate last night. Val sucked me in. So, and by the way, vape and Val, you suck, Val. You you suck. She sucked me into watching these fucking debates, and I sat here thinking, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" And the majority of this country still thinks that one of these two fucking people should be elected the leader. And I have made I have made no um, nobody is unaware of the fact that that I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson. Mm-hmm. If all the media can do is come at this guy because he doesn't know who the names of these other world leaders are, um, hello. Well, Wait, okay, well, that or some guy that brags about sexually assaulting women and some woman that has spent thirty year thirty years screwing the American public. Um, I'll take the doesn't know a leader's name for a thousand. <laughs> Thanks. And asking a libertarian to name their favorite world leader is the best comparison I saw was asking a vegetarian what their favorite steak was. I, I'm surprised they didn't. I, I think it would have been hysterical if he had said Kim Jong-un. <laughs> I think he just shut up just to shut these idiots up. But uh, he didn't. And um, yeah, last night was like trying to pick which sexually transmitted disease was right for you. Um, and, and here's what I don't understand. All these people are blowing up Twitter about each of them going over there a lot of time. Uh-huh. Um, well, how about the people that run these debates get smart enough to have a mixer where they can turn off microphones? Hang how on, fucking yeah. difficult is that? Well, if you have a mixer, you can't do it. You can't interrupt someone 41 times. That, that was some, that was some fucked up shit last night. It, it really was. Um, I, I, but it's like having two kids fighting each other at recess. That's what it reminded me of. This was you expected less. No, no, no. But this was not an adult discussion. That was not a discussion no. about the problems that face America and how to fix them, or what we can do for our country, or you know, our interventionalist foreign policy. None of this stuff was really discussed. It was just. That's because neither one of them are capable of that. Yep. Yep. It was it was just pretty despicable. <clears throat> um, the best part, though, was at the very beginning, the look on Bill Clinton's face as he was sitting so close to his accusers. That was that priceless. Was, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> so that was the only part of the whole debate that I found amusing. And after 20 minutes, I could stand no more and I was just done. So I stopped watching and I started streaming it um, while I was doing other stuff. And it still just got on. Those two just get on my nerves. I, I can't imagine. I think the Twitter stream was the worst thing for me, though, Jan. What because I was streaming this stuff on Twitter because Paul and Paul was watching something not vile and depressing on TV. I don't know. I think it was Law and <laughs> Order Criminal Victims Unit. That's, That's not depressing at all. <laughs> it was better than the debates. But I think streaming it on Twitter was the worst thing for me because every time something pissed me off, I'm sending out tweets. I think my Twitter account had more tweets on it last night than it has in the entire <laughs> three years or four years that I've had the fucking thing. I shut it off and watched the movie Hitman Agent 47 and was very happy at my choice. Good film. Yeah, good choice. Yeah, it was an excellent movie. <laughs> 
Where yeah. are these agents when we meet them? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, they're, they're sure as hell not coming here to help us. That's about all I can say. And the Hitman films are all pretty good. Uh, surprisingly, I'm assuming you're talking about the ones where the guys have the barcodes on the back of their necks. Uh-huh. Yeah, this was the first one I had ever seen. Um, and this was he's... Agent 47. And he was with the girl. He was with the girl, apparently the, the daughter of the guy that invented these agents. Right. Um, yeah, no, I think it's it, good enough. I'm going to hunt the rest of them down. I think there's only one more that I know of. There's two of them, I there's think. Two, and yeah. Surprisingly, that comes from the video game Hitman, which is yes. a pretty fun, pretty fun little game. If you like that, well, that makes forty-seven sense, is his I number. Resident Evil yeah. with my kid on his game, and I didn't realize there were Resident Evil movies. So there was about twelve of those. Oh, yeah. The Resident Evil movies are probably better than the game, simply from the standpoint that you're you can move. When you're watching them, well, you can't really move when you're playing the video game. <laughs> the, but you games. get to kill zombies. Right, if you don't get eaten first. And I'm sorry, I hate yeah, to tell you, true. but the Resident Evil games, you really don't have a good range of movement for zombie killing. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now that we <laughs> now that we've had the first of the shiny moments for the evening. <laughs> I'll get back to this. Uh, The school security industry is cashing in big on public fears of mass shootings. That's a surprise because you know you can trust them. Security was the number one factor for me in choosing a school, explained one of the mothers I met late last winter at a Montessori preschool in an affluent suburb in Salt Lake City. A quality control expert at a dietary supplement company, the woman said she vividly remembers the jolt of horror she felt when she first learned of the Columbine massacre in 1999. So when the time came to send her child to preschool, she selected one that markets itself as not only creative, caring, and nurturing, but also as particularly security conscious. To get to the front door of the, get the front door of the school to open, visitors had to be positively ID'd by a fingerprint recognition system. In the foyer, that. the bank of monitors showed a live feed of activity in every classroom. After drop-off, many parents would spend 15 minutes to a half hour staring at the screens, making sure their children were being treated well by the teachers and classmates. Many of the moms and dads had requested internet access to the image, but the school had balked, fearing that online sexual predators would be able to hack into the video stream. All of the classroom doors had state-of-the-art lockdown features, and all the teachers had access to long-distance bee spray, which, in the case of an emergency, they were instructed to fire off at the eyes of intruders. The playground was surrounded by a high concrete wall, which crimped the kids' views of the majestic Wasatch Mountains. The imposing front walls, facing out onto the busy road, were similarly designed to stop predators from peering into the classrooms. I fear a gunman walking into my child's school and gunning up the place, the mother continued. I have withheld her name in the name of that school upon request. And I fear someone walking into the playground and swiping a kid. And I fear an employee of the school damaging my child. These things happen more commonly than people expect. Actually, they don't. Uh, Despite the excruciating angst suffered by this woman and so many other parents, school violence is a rarity in America. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, 34 children in the United States were murdered while in school during the 1992 through 93 school year. From 2008 to 2013, the most recent years for which NCES provides data, the average annual figure was 19. 
In recent decades, the numbers have waxed and waned, hitting 34 again in 1997 to 98 and going as low as 11 in 2010 to 2011. Generally, the trend has been downward. If one adds the deaths of teachers and other staff, as well as suicides by students during the school day, the numbers do go up, of course. In the 20-year period covered by NCES data, 2006 to 2007 was the deadliest, with 63 violent deaths occurring in America's schools. This is unquestionably 63 too many violent deaths, and for the families directly affected by the killings, it represents unfathomable and inextinguishable anguish. But it isn't quite the national epidemic that one might picture based on the vast media coverage these killings receive. In fact, far more children and young adults are killed on the impoverished streets of America's large cities every year. By several orders of magnitude, far more kids die each year in car crashes or drowning accidents or from asthma. And far more young lives are lost to a host of other diseases closely correlated with poverty. There are approximately 55 million kindergarten through grade 12 students in America and roughly 3.5 million adults employed as teachers. There are, in addition, millions of support staff, janitors, nurses, cooks, after-school program providers, and so on. Even in the deadliest years, the chances of a student or adult being killed at school is roughly one in a million. By contrast, roughly five out of every 100,000 American residents are murdered each year. Extrapolating from this, schools are somewhere in the region of 50 times safer than society overall. And yet you'd never know it from the level of fear that exists around schools or from the vast amount of money we spend attempting to make them more secure. <laughs> the research company IHS Technology recently estimated that schools and universities spent about $768 million on security measures in 2014, a sum that it predicted would rise to roughly $907 million for 2016. That's an awful lot of money to spend at a time when state and local budget cuts are limiting educational opportunities for students across the country. The spike in spending on school security began in the mid-1990s when the Clinton administration, seeking to co-opt the prevailing tough-on-crime zero-tolerance message, pushed an array of measures that led to hiring several thousand new school resource officers. Thousands more police officers were funded by state and city grants, making the presence of armed police a daily reality in schools around the country. At the same time, one school after another, especially in the inner cities, bought in airport-style metal detectors and introduced clear bag policies so school officials could easily check everything students bought into the building. As schools came to resemble prisons, which perhaps not coincidentally, were also expanding during those years, an increasing number of students ended up being arrested on school grounds. In cities like Stockton, California, where even non-police resource officers are granted arrest powers, thousands of kids have acquired criminal records for minor offenses. Students in these districts are arrested at rates far higher than those reported in places where resource officers aren't given such powers. The construction of the school's prison pipeline has disproportionately affected minority students, who in turn face harsher penalties once they come into contact with the criminal justice system. Sometimes the confrontations with security officers can be horrendous. Last October, for example, a student in South Carolina school filmed an officer violently dumping a teenage girl out of her chair dragging her across the floor before arresting her, all because she used her cell phone during math class. In recent years, the school, industry, the school security industry has expanded to include high-tech surveillance among its offerings. The school district in Las Vegas has been installing surveillance cameras in schools since 2000, and they are now standard in new schools. All told, according to a 2014 article in the Las Vegas Sun, more than 12,000 surveillance cameras are recording in Sin City schools 
complementing the hundreds of cameras in school buses and on major thoroughfares and the tens of thousands of cameras in the city's giant casinos. The Sun didn't report on how much the system cost, but a much smaller project at St. Mary's High School in St. Louis recently cost the school $500 a month to lease two cameras or $15,000 to buy them outright. Newark Memorial High School in the San Francisco Bay Area has embedded spot, uh, shot spotter technology, an advanced sound recognition sensor deployed by police departments in many urban neighborhoods to identify when and where gunshots are occurring. Although the school hasn't had to pay spot shotter for the technology, the company views it as a testing ground for how such a system can be used in a school setting. Police departments around the country pay anywhere from 65000 to 90000 a year for each square mile covered by the sensors. And then there's the Indianapolis suburb of Shelbyville, where school superintendent Paula Mayer recently became so worried about the possibility of a shooting that she installed a $400,000 security system in the town's high school. The entire campus, located in the open countryside just out of town, is now saturated with campers linked into the nearest police station. Every teacher wears a panic button, around his or her neck, and pressing it sends the entire campus into an instant lockdown. For good measure, police officers watching from miles away can set off blinding smoke cannons and air-splitting sirens at a moment's notice. Much as anti-crime advocates convinced government agencies in the 1990s and 2000s to fund an ever-increasing array of punitive programs, today school security companies and trade associations are lobbying legislators in several states to change building codes so that schools will be mandated to spend more, of their, more on their security systems. If they get their way, the Shelbyville experiment could well be a harbinger of things to come. Lately, America's school security fetish has reached a whole new level of bizarre. In the wake of the 2012 December Sandy Hook massacre in Newtown, Connecticut, one company after another has rushed to take advantage of the opportunities presented by the epidemic of fear that emerged in response to school violence and to exploit the emotional vulnerability of terrified parents. As a result, a huge number of utterly insane products have entered the market. School security specialist Kenneth Trump, longtime president of the Cleveland-based National School Safety and Security Services, likens the search of overnight experts, gadgets, and gurus who have popped out of the blue to the feeding frenzy. Every time we have a high-profile shooting, we see another business or product, well-intended but not thought out, he says. After the Columbine massacre, Trump recalls, there was a fairly reasonable conversation about security. By contrast, in the years since the slaughter at Sandy Hook, it's been the worst I've seen in 30-plus years in terms of people responding emotionally and businesses preying on the emotions of people who are afraid. Take, for example, Bullet Blockers, a company working out of Lowell, Massachusetts, that manufactures bulletproof backpacks for elementary school children. The ones for young girls come in raspberry, pink, or red plaid. The ones for boys come in red, black, and navy blue, and more. The company also markets bulletproof jackets, bulletproof iPad cases, and bulletproof whiteboards for use in classrooms. It even sells a survival pack and safety kit, complete with fire starters, first aid guides, cold compresses, and other items that would allow a child to survive a prolonged school markdown. Bullet Blocker CEO Ed Burke says he won't divulge how many items his company has sold, but he does say since the Paris attacks of November 15, November 13, 2015, our business has grown 80% and continues to grow. Have his products actually saved lives? Thank God none as yet, he answers, meaning that none of his products thus far have been used to foil an attacker in a school shooting, but they've been tested randomly to test ballistic capabilities. 
none of Burke's clients would agree to talk for this article, but Burke never, um, Burke does ever aver, okay, that his company sold products to a grandmother who lives in Sandy Hook, who got her grandchildren a couple of backpacks. He added, I got a phone call from a gentleman in California whose wife was involved in the massacre in San Bernardino. She was in the building. He wanted to get her a backpack. Burke also cited a family that ordered a man's farm coat, a woman's leather coat, a child's nylon jacket, and three backpacks, all bulletproof as well. And in Hapag, New York, Derek Peterson runs a tech startup called Digital Fly, which enables school officials to monitor all social media postings within a radius chosen by the school. The intent, which would be eerily similar to government spy agencies the world over, is to drill down into communications, use near schools as a way to identify potential shooters, bombers, bullies, or would-be suicides. The postings of everyone within that catchment area, whether they're students, local residents, or simply people passing through, are monitored. My software will identify it, Peterson enthuses, seemingly oblivious or indifferent to, the extraordinary privacy implications of his work. The school administrator will get emails. At that point, every school has a different policy. They get the parents, the police involved. I provide you with a hammer. Here's the tools to build the house. Peterson claims that his system is being used by more than 50 schools around the countries, as well as some in Ireland and South Africa. His ambitions are large. I could go global, he said. We're hoping it does. I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is right my sweet spot. How do you put a price on protecting little ones? Unfortunately, we live in a crazy world where kids are targeted. So anyway, we can protect children. I'm all for it. Much like Burke, Peterson acknowledges he has no real way of knowing if Digital Fly is working, although he does claim it helped prevent two suicides in New York City schools. But since he charges only 150 to 275 per student, Peterson hopes that schools will decide it's worth adding to their toolkit just on the off chance it works. He tells parents at PTA meetings that his services cost the equivalent of one can of soda per year for each kid, and then adds a spiel about how if even one bloody nose is avoided, it will be money well spent. Right now, there are 50 million K-12 maturicating students in the U.S., Peterson says as he ponders his company's future. The sky is the limit. Many experts worry that the new school security measures can endanger the people they're supposed to protect. Anti-intruder doors were installed in some schools in Ohio without overrides being built in, making it hard for first responders to reach stranded kids in the event of a crisis. There's some anecdotal evidence that lockdown drills injure teachers that they have reputedly resulted in a flurry of workers' compensation claims across the country. In the Kamaki Middle School in Honolulu, a lockdown drill in which a teacher ran through the school wielding a hammer and playing an attacker drew criticism after several young children were traumatized by the sight of their seemingly crazed teacher on a rampage. The increasing cost of high-tech safety measures has become a concern, too. At a time when many schools can't rustle up enough money to keep art and music classes running, and when parents are often asked to purchase such necessities as notebooks, pencils, and even toilet paper, all of this militarization and surveillance represents a scandalous diversion of educational funds. Shelbyville's $400,000 security system, for example, could have been used to pay the salaries and benefits of roughly eight full-time teachers for a year. The average salary for a teacher in the town is $43,000. That's not insignificant uh, fact in the city that sheds five teachers in April 2010 as a way of saving 
$250,000 during the dog days of the recession. All told, according to the Indiana Economic Digest, Shelbyville schools lost access to over $1 million that year. Three years later, the school district cut the hours for scores of teaching aides, bus drivers, and other staff to avoid the costs of covering their health insurance under the terms of the Affordable Health Care Act. Ronald Stevens, the executive director of the California-based National School Safety Center, who teaches a graduate course on school safety issues at Pepperdine University, calls talking with the superintendent of a school near his home in Oak Park, one of Los Angeles' many affluent suburbs. The superintendent explained that he was under tremendous public pressure to put security fences around the school's districts, the school district schools, at a cost of $1.6 million. He was resisting it because he believed the schools had bigger needs. The teachers hadn't received a pay raise in five years. Back at the Montori School in Utah, I met a father in his late 40s who bemoaned the fact that his kids could no longer roam freely, walking to and from school alone, playing unsupervised outdoors for hours with their friends as he'd done growing up in the Bay Area. Times are different now, he explained sadly. There are more crazy people in this world. The man who worked for a large plumbing and air conditioning company had a bachelor's degree in criminal justice studies. Intellectually, he knew the statistics. He knew that violent crime rates were higher when he was growing up than they are today. So I asked him if he was sure that the environment was less safe for a 17-year-old than it had been for him. Probably not, he said after a long pause. It's hard. She's way too sheltered. I'd love to let her spread her wings a little more, but we do keep our thumbs on her. There's always the fear of a kidnap, a traffic accident. Turn on the news at night. We watch the news while we eat dinner. The media loves to create a sense of panic. They love bad news. On one level, he knew that the media were selling him a bill of goods, but he couldn't bring himself to turn away. And the more he watched, the more terrified he became. The man told me that he's had nightmares about mass shootings and kidnappings. His face got beat red with tension, even while discussing it. Unfortunately, this is the sort of circular reason that our society is increasingly trapped in when it comes to raising and educating our children. Television, newspapers, and social media focus on the sensational, but statistically anomalous horror stories about school violence. Parents in the broader community work themselves into a panic, prompting politicians to vow that they will do whatever it takes to make everyone safer. Security technologies emerge to fill these perceived needs for stronger safety measures, and schools end up spending money that they don't necessarily have to implement solutions they almost certainly will never need. The presence and the media coverage of these heightened security measures increase the public sense of fear, and the spiral descends even further. We're preparing for the thousand-year flood, said Ronald Stevens. Children are safer at school than anywhere else. Go ahead. Um, where do you want me to start? I know somebody wants to say something. <laughs> there's there's, go, there's go, a go. lot of places I could start here, Jan. But number one, um, if I go. have to submit my fingerprints okay. to pick up my fucking child. So everyone's gone off to have a snack. I guess I can understand that. Oh, um, I don't think I John can hear us. Statistics. Yeah, I don't think Jan yeah, can uh, hear any of us. I still find the statistics terrifying. The idea Jan, that us? people are so terrified of the world that they live in, that they will do anything to stop something that might never happen. It's, it's awful. What are these kids going to grow up like? How are they going to grow up? It's almost like nobody even knows. Oh, okay. Jan, we are talking, but you can't hear us. That's fantastic. Can you all hear me? 
Yes. Okay. So awesome. I'm going to go out and come back in because, hey. Well, we, we um, can. We and can uh, you all talk amongst yourselves. Jeannie, just go with what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I mean, because there's, there's a lot of places I can start, but but let's just go, start Jeannie, with the fact that they. Yeah, this has got you all over it. Oh, yeah. They, they want me to submit my fucking bring, <sighs> fingerprints to pick up my children. Um, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Last I checked, the only time I had to submit my fingerprints to fucking anybody was the police. And they had to have grounds to take them, not the fucking school district. Number two, here they say, oh, we can't, we can't give the parents access to these cameras because creepers might come in. Um, fuck you. How about the fact that they're already hacked into your systems? Because you know what? They're more computer savvy than you are. They have a reason to know all this shit. They're more driven to know all this shit. So if they want into this fucking system, they're already there. Um, we had that bullshit when um, Alexis pissed off a kid at school one time and she told him to quit acting like a bitch. And he was really offended by being called a bitch. And so him and some other kids, they they decided that they would get her kicked out of school. So they took a baggie and they took some cold medicine and they took a rubber band and they put the cold medicine in there and they, and they got it into her locker. And then they paid somebody to go to the office and say that she had pills she was trying to sell. Of course, in a zero tolerance policy, she would have been expelled from school. Thank God we figured it out before anybody else did and... Mommy called the cop and got the cop involved. They weren't going to let the cop see the video footage. Um, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Excuse me. My kid, my taxes, paid for said cameras. I want to see this shit. No, they can't do that. All right. Fine. What fucking ever. And they're saying, and then you got this schmuck saying, oh, well, it's 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 cheaper than the price of a can of pop. And, and if it permits, if it stops one bloody nose, then it's worth it. No, dude, fuck you. I would rather my kid learn to defend themselves and end up with a bloody nose in the in when they're in grade school than, oh, I don't know, let's say we teach them to hide behind somebody their entire fucking life. Yeah. Well, that's... that's Common um, sense is gone. Yeah, that's the major problem, and it's in the story there. The guy who's... He, he knows all the crime statistics, but he's still got this stupid need to mollycoddle his child. There's an old phrase for you, mollycoddling. Um, that, that's part of the problem. Parents are so paranoid now. Kids aren't growing up capable of being out in the, world. Out in the world. Well, you know, and, and I haven't vetted this story, but here, here's, here's something else that none of these fucking people even mentioned. Okay. Each year, nearly 800 teachers are arrested or accused of having sex with students. Yep. They are the few who get caught. Actually, the number could be as high as 80,000 instances of improper sexual contact between a teacher and a student each year. Huh. Oh, but that's right. All of these cameras will stop that, right? Uh, no. Because they never cover every inch and who knows where they're not being monitored that's right the fucking professional staff i'm not saying that the teachers are bad don't and and i don't want don't fucking send me hate mail because i have teachers i have sisters that are in the education system but i'm just saying you want to talk about you know 
we got to have a secure front wall because creepers might be able to look in. Well, how about the fact that if people on the street can look in, then the people on the inside know that somebody can see them. Yeah, my, my, my school, it was all giant windows, the sides of the, you know, a chain link fence around it, but just giant glass windows, all sides. But we did have a six foot eight janitor. That used to put people off. <laughs> See him walking towards you if you're hanging around, you know. That, that's a a large janitor with a with a mop handle can <laughs> yeah. be a lethal weapon. <clears throat> but yeah, the you're right about the security equipment as well. All these amazing computer products. Yeah, yeah, they can all be hacked. I was going to say if I. If 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 I had a kid in a school that had one of these systems that did this automatic monitoring, I'd be telling them how to set it off all the time. <laughs> Called homeschooling time. Well, the the one in San Francisco, the the gunshot detector. I I if it was a British school, I'd be fully expecting all the kids to have gunshot noises on their mobile phones within minutes of the system being installed. And it'd be setting it off every thirty seconds, <laughs> but not not kids today, you know. It's a mess. Yeah. John, are you there? No, no. See, Jan couldn't hear us, and now we can't hear Jan. So it's just fucked up. Um. Uh, Jan, do you Is want me to read? I don't know. If Jan, if you want me to read a story, just tell me which one and I'll I'll read it for you. <laughs> She's not been having much luck with her internet uh, recently. Yeah, I don't I don't think she cares. Oh. Okay, let me that's find it because yeah, that is a good one because I mean, it this just crazy shit. I posted that today on my Facebook page, I'm like, everybody's bitching about politics, and then we have this horrible shit. There's several medical stories that have come out recently that are pretty spooky. Now I gotta find it. Where is it? It's just below that school story. Down at the bottom. Right. Is it right above it, Superbug? Below it. the very last story on our current uh, list. Yes. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling because somehow, for some reason, Page my 70. scrolling... There, yeah. I found it. My scrolling turned into um, minimizing my print, which was kind of... <laughs> that sucked. Okay. A mysterious polio-like illness that paralyzes people may be surging this year. Before dinner on July 29th, three-year-old Carter Roberts of Chesterfield, Virginia, seemed perfectly healthy. That evening, he vomited. When he woke up the next morning with a slight fever of 99 degrees, his mother, Robin Roberts, oh, good Lord, she didn't think about that when she got married, Robin Roberts figured <laughs> that he was coming down with a cold. The next morning, she found him collapsed on his bedroom floor. Mommy, she recalls him saying, help me, help me. Carter could barely stand when she picked him up 
and his neck was arched backwards. What was most alarming, she said, is he had no control over his right arm whatsoever. In the hospital, Carter lost control of his right arm, then over his legs and other muscles within a few days. He now can only wiggle a toe and move his left side of his face. He's been diagnosed with a mysterious polio-like illness called acute flaccid myothesis. I don't know. I, I can't pronounce medical terms, folks. A condition that seems to be surging this year. Through July, 32 new cases of AFM have been confirmed across the United States this year by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. A sharp rise compared with the last year when just seven cases had been confirmed by that month. The numbers have risen steadily since April. In past years, most cases have occurred between August and December, with a peak in October. Among the many unanswered questions about the conditions that are what causes it, how best to treat it, and how long the paralysis lasts. Although most cases occur in children, AFM occasionally affects adults. The CDC official who leads the surveillance efforts said that confirmed numbers for August will not be available until the end of this month, but the number of reports she is receiving from doctors around the country continues to rise. CDC is looking at these trends very carefully, Manisha Patel <laughs> said. Yeah, because the CDC is just fucking awesome. Yeah. We have sent out several health alerts to states to let them know we are seeing an increase in reporting and to encourage them to communicate with doctors to report these cases in a timely fashion. <laughs> I, oh, God, I'm, I shouldn't be That's laughing. That's required to. Yeah, but, but like the doctors don't know this is happening. Um, yeah, yeah. They needed the CDC to tell them. And they needed the CDC mm -hmm. to, to tell them to, to watch for them. Uh, the CDC began tracking AFM in 2014 when 221 cases were confirmed. That year, the CDC counted only children affected by the disease. Their average age was seven. Most had a fever or a respiratory illness a few days before developing paralysis. Many had to be placed on respirators. Although 85% of the children recovered partially, only three of them fully recovered. Health officials and physicians around the country said they are concerned that the rising number of cases through July could foretell a repeat of 2014. You hate to be an alarmist, but there's a reason to have some concern, said Avendra, Aviv yeah, Aviv yeah. Avendra Nath, chief of <coughs> the section of infections of the nervous system at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. What we don't know is where are these cases? Are they clustered? <laughs> Do they all look alike? Getting more information on these cases would be helpful. What What the fuck? What we don't know is <laughs> where, what? What? Does that make sense? No. Oh, that, sure. okay, that just, just doesn't even make sense to me, but okay. Uh, beyond saying that the confirmed cases have been reported in 17 states through July, Patel declined to reveal which states had been involved. 
are these people morons? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah. Jan, why did you pick me to read this story with all of these fucking idiots? <laughs> because because this is linked to enterovirus, D D V sixty eight. Remember yeah, but these last people year? Are freaking morons. There, there were morons last year too. But don't forget, if this is actually it's linked to, in, if it's actually linked to enterovirus, we have a problem. We have a problem. Because all the kids who got enterovirus got vaccinated first. Oh, good God! All right, I'll finish reading. I th still think all these doctors in here are fucking morons, and they're trying to tell doctors that actually work for a living. Oh, oh God! Okay. But conversations and emails with physicians around the country indicate that at least four cases have occurred in California. Well, duh, that's because California causes cancer. But that's let's skip that. <laughs> and at least three in massachusetts and others have been seen in florida texas pennsylvania new york and as well as virginia so basically they're saying it's all over the country um hello uh, there's not a whole lot in the midwest i don't see a whole lot in the flyover states hmm that says something for flyover states we are definitely hearing cases from our colleagues across the country, said Terry Schreiner, a neurologist at the University of Colorado and Children's Hospital in Colorado. I would hope she's in Colorado. It's at the University of Colorado, <laughs> but okay. It's a trend and it's worrisome. What I'm hearing from others seems to be coming at a tempo similar to what happened in 2014. Jean-Baptiste Lepictron of Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri, said that doctors on the U.S. email list for pediatric neurologists reported five new cases of AFM in just the past few days. There is definitely an explosion of cases, she said. No treatment other than physical therapy has yet been shown to markedly improve outcomes, although some doctors have reported that treatment with intravenous immuglobin and IBIG used to treat some other viral infectious diseases um, that's what they used to treat Guillain-Barre syndrome, too, um, to, 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 might help. It's also been suggested that Prozac, Prozac, are you kidding me? They're recommending Prozac. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God, Jan. <sighs> I don't write these things. I just the degree of paralysis. Yeah, let's just let's just feed them something that they need to take fucking forever or literally go insane. This maybe oh they just don't want them to be upset that they're sick. Oh my god. The degree of paralysis in the first month has generally improved only slightly over the course of a year. After about a year or so, this is kind of, you know, uh, after about a year or so, what you've got is what you've got. Huh. Scary. Scarily like some of the conditions, some of the statements made about RSD, but okay. Said Max Wisnitzer. And fuck, somebody copy and paste his name because I know I butchered it. A pediatric neurologist at Case Western University. Oh, I'm sorry. Case Western reverse university in <laughs> cleveland because that name makes a lot of sense too 
Most perplexing is what causes the disease. In 2014, in the 2014 outbreak of AFM, occurred at least the same time as a far larger outbreak of enterovirus D68, which Jan has talked about and how horrible this shit is on numerous occasions. If you don't know, then you haven't listened to the replays and you should across the United States. The vast majority of patients infected with the virus developed only a respiratory illness. Some physicians were convinced that EVD68 was the cause, not only because both outbreaks occurred at the same time, but because of a study that identified a particular strain of EVD68 in the airways of children with AFM. But officials at the CDC and some doctors, including the butchered name, insist that the cause remains unproved. Well, that happens a lot. So far this year, no similarly widespread outbreaks of the EVD68 respiratory infection have been reported, although cases of it and other enteroviruses have been seen in some areas. Um, what they don't say is a lot of those go unchecked. Mm-hmm. A lot of respiratory infections, they, they don't check to see if it's EVD68. But, you know, who am I to point out? <laughs> On Friday, LePachon in Kansas City said, I just got confirmation that we have an epidemic of enteroviruses breaking out here, and at least a few cases of enteroviruses have typed positive for EVD-68. Son of a bitch, you mean they started looking for it and they found it? Mm-hmm. Shocking. <laughs> Carol Glaser, a pediatric <laughs> infectious yeah, disease yeah. specialist at Kaiser Permanente, because, yeah, they're wonderful people in Oakland, California, <laughs> said, if the theory is right and it is caused by EVD68, which some of us believe more than others, this would be the time of year we start seeing it. It's an enterovirus, and they tend to peak in late summer and early fall. Because the CDC's surveillance of AFM is less than two years old, it remains unclear if some of this year's apparent rise in confirmed cases is due simply to more doctors sending in case reports, Patel said. And, butchered name, emphasized that with just 32 (laughs) confirmed cases across the United States so far, AFM remains extremely rare. Uh, um, Okay, hold on. Time out. Um. Another another <laughs> crazy interruption here. Isn't it the CDC's job to to yeah, be on the lookout and for really rare things and and to be able to advise us on what to do if and when they happen? But you nah. know, hey, they they just started tracking this shit. So you know, I mean, maybe maybe they'll patent it like they did Ebola, and then they'll figure out what to do. <laughs> Glazer, however, said she is convinced that the condition is new. Oh. Ooh. Hmm. She worked at the California (laughs) Department of Public Health. When, in 2012, some of the first reports of AFM anywhere in the country came from physicians there. Okay, um, folks, yet again, let me tell you, 
get the fuck out of California. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> if it's bad, it happens in California. I was there for 15 years and talked to neurologists every single day, she said. It wasn't until the fall of 2012 when the first physician called in and wanted a test for polio on one of his patients. One of my colleagues in the office chuckled and said to me, we don't have polio in the United States. But in the next two weeks, I got two very similar phone calls. We have never had a report like that. I do think there was something new going on. Fortunately, it is still rare. Except in California. Except in California. <laughs> Even if ED68 does somehow cause AFM, studying the virus may lead to prevention or treatment. One glimmer of good news came from K Kenneth Tyler. Hey, somebody with a normal name. <laughs> Chair of Neurology at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. He and his colleagues have been conducting experiments to infect mice with ED, <laughs> with EVD68, because we know that shit doesn't mutate, uh, and have them develop loss of muscle control like we have seen in AFM. He says he had submitted a paper to a peer-reviewed medical journal describing his success in doing so. The goal, he said, is to use mice to study how EVD68 causes harm to the spinal cord and muscles and to test potential therapies such as IVIG. It looks like we are seeing protection with... No, that's not what that says. Yeah. It looks like we are seeing protection with IVIG in the mouse model, he said. Robin Roberts said she wishes more was known about the condition that has harmed her son. In this day and age, to not have information about something like this is very frustrating. And I agree with that woman. Mm -hmm. There needs to be more done about it and for more parents and doctors to know about it, she said. Angie Anderson said that her daughter, Mackenzie, was sent home from the hospital twice in the first two weeks of her illness because the doctors did not understand the severity of what was happening. Finally, her pediatrician told Anderson to bring Mackenzie to another hospital. Mackenzie was six years old and she developed sniffles in 2014. Within 12 days, Anderson said, she was paralyzed from the neck down on a ventilator to breathe for her. She was left with her left hand, her feet, and her toes that move. You know you could understand the bad that comes from a car wreck or if she got cancer, Anderson said. How do you even wrap your brain around the fact that she got a cold and now she's a quadriplegic on a ventilator? It's a nightmare you never wake up from. She... Oh, still, she said, Mackenzie can now speak and even sing softly despite having a tracheotomy. She has a lot of spunk, and that's helping her through, Anderson said. We talked about enterovirus last year. We a did. Bunch. did. You, yeah, we did. And it's a problem because kids are waking up in the middle of the night. Parents are just like, oh, you know. You've got the flu, let's get you up and get you to the bathroom. Oh, you got a little bit of fever. Here, let's put a cold cloth on your head. And then, but kids were dying from enterovirus last year. They're not they're dying not. now. Now they're getting something like polio. Well, and, and here's, here's the thing with me. Um, you know, I, I think antibacterial everything mm -hmm. is not good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with it at all. Um, I think that if you have children, um, you you should get rid of all of your antibacterial everything. Um, your yes, kids, yes. your kids have to be exposed to some things in small uh -huh. doses to build up their own body's immunity to them. 
And I really think what we're going to find out in hindsight is that all we did with that crap was make generations of, of humans with no immune system to fight off things. And on the opposite side of that, while we're, while we're creating a generations of children with no immunities, what we're also doing, which is even worse, is we are forcing viruses and bacteria to become stronger, to become stronger and deadlier. And we are sitting here with no idea how to fucking fight it. We're creating superbugs and children with no way to fight them. That's because the CDC is doing such a good job. <laughs> well, the CDC is doing a wonderful job. They're banning stuff that gets people off of heroin and hard yeah. painkillers, but they know fuck all about what's killing our kids. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just, just to add to the And you would think, note. as anal as everyone is about saving our children, that <laughs> something like this might have a priority. What the yeah. fuck? Adding to the happy note, uh, <laughs> in the UK, in the UK, right? There's a small yeah, sort of outbreak of sure. people being paralysed, and right. it was tracked down to <laughs> fungal spores. God. Oh God. Yeah. That's that's one of the harder things to funguses are the yes. hardest things to kill. I mean, the hardest. So yeah, you know, no, people... so you could be getting another enterovirus outbreak. Uh, but there are other things that cause this sort of thing too, which is uh Yeah, well, you don't expect our CDC to know that, do you? No. <laughs> I, just, I don't. Just for everyone's peace of mind to put that map in the chat <laughs> again. Uh, you should put the, the presidential threat map up. That's always good for us. Oh, people can open that themselves. I put up I the did. disease one. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a map in here called the presidential threat map. Holy shit. Um, yeah, Margaret, you're going to have to do what I did. Probably. Go out, close it completely, see if it needs to update, and then come back in. And that's, I, I bet you can't even hear me. <laughs> Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, this is the thing that works best. Um, And the thing that really that this story illustrates the most for me Mm -hmm. is that these big groups that are supposed to be looking out for you know fuck all. Yeah, they they really don't. They pretend they do, and they get a lot of money to do studies, and they all disagree with each other, but they really don't know much. Let's be honest. They don't. They're spending I, mean, I, I honestly would like, would, has anybody ever called for the CDC to, to, to do a public accounting of what it is they've stopped or how they've, they've actually helped? Has that ever been done? No. Nope. I was going to say, yeah, lots, lots of these uh, lovely organisations, yeah. As was uh, as right at the start of the show, they're 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 concentrating more on stopping smoking than just stopping disease outbreaks, which is insane. 
Well, you know. Well, when the Ebola thing happened, where was Margaret Chan, chairman of the WHO? She was in Russia right. eating smoked was, salmon and, and Yeah, but caviar. she was probably having lunch. Probably having lunch. Oh. Wow. Margo's feeding back. Margo's going to have to do the push to talk thing like I do. Na 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 na. Yeah, that's. There was a little bit of feedback. Yeah. But yes, yes, Chan was. Can in you the... hear? Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to open too many windows at once. Ah. Uh-huh. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the yeah. yeah, Chan when when Ebola outbreak started, yeah, she was at the FCTC in Russia eating lunch and saying, No, no, it was far more important she was talking about tobacco control. Yeah. Than all the hundreds yeah. of people dying. Uh, yeah. Well, and it wasn't hundreds at this point, it was in the thousands. Yeah. So, you know, it's just uh, but that's that's public health for you. Uh, they're, they're looking after our health, except when they're not, which is most of the time. Well, they're looking after their own best interest. So yeah. maybe the rule, the new rule is uh, watch out for yourself. If you want it done right, do it yourself. I don't know. I, and I'm not saying don't take your kids to a doctor or anything like that. I'm really not. What I am saying is um, be cautious of the people that are supposed to be protecting your interests because I don't think that they are. Well, and sad, you really have to educate yourself, too, to know that you need to ask for some of these things. Um, And ironically, one of the worst places in the world to be if you're sick is in a hospital. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Thank (laughs) Super yeah, city. It yeah. Avoid it at all costs. It's 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 spooky shit. Yeah, C diff, all the others. Yeah, they love hospitals. Well, I mean, yeah, we're talking about superbugs this evening because that's always a pleasant. <laughs> that's always a pleasant thing to be talking about. But the reason we're talking about superbugs is because they they can really hurt you and it's something that people actually aren't talking about and they should be um margo what did the story i posted on your facebook talk about uh mutating superbugs um antibiotic resistance overuse of antibiotics Yeah. yeah and i was going to say that the antibiotic story would probably be a beautiful thing to do next um which yeah, one? Rise of the Superbugs. Okay, hang on. Because next time you're offered a prescription. Yeah, hang on. Um, so there's three of them. Okay, Rise of the Superbugs. The next time you're offered a prescription for antibiotics, ask yourself, what harm could it do? Think about Peggy Lillis. Five years ago, the 56-year-old kindergarten teacher from Brooklyn, New York, was given the antibiotic clindamycin, which was supposed to prevent a dental infection. Instead, the drug wiped out much of the good bacteria in her gut that normally keeps the bad bacteria in check. Without that protection, harmful bacteria in her belly ran rampant. 
triggering an intestinal infection so severe that doctors had to perform an emergency surgery to remove her colon. Despite that desperate last-ditch effort, within 10 days of taking those pills, my mother was dead, said Lois's son, Christian. Or I consider- am definitely allergic to that drug. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, they don't know what you're going to be allergic to until they no. give it to you. Yep. Or consider Zachary Dubček, a rambunctious 12-year-old from New Brunswick, New Jersey. After a baseball game, Zachary came home complaining of knee pain that worsened overnight and quickly accelerated. His doctors initially prescribed an antibiotic that failed to bring the problem under control. Zachary had the bad luck of running into a strain of bacteria that, after repeated exposure to antibiotics, had evolved, developing offenses against the drugs. Zachary's infection raced through his body, forcing doctors to put him in a medically induced coma until they could rein it in with vancomycin, a powerful antibiotic that luckily still worked against the germ. Zachary survived, but a year and six surgeries later, he still walks with a limp from the ordeal. We may never know how he got infected, says his mother, Marine Dubček, MD, a family physician, but we know that the antibiotic that should have helped him didn't work. Peggy Lewis and Zachary Dubček's stories are all too common. Though antibiotics have saved millions of lives since penicillin was prescribed over 75 years ago, it's now clear that the unrestrained use of the drugs has also unexpectedly and dangerous consequences, sickening at least 2.25 million Americans each year and killing 37,000. The harm comes in two main ways. First, as in Lewis's case, antibiotics can disrupt the body's natural balance of good and bad bacteria, which research shows is surprisingly important to human health. Lewis was killed by one such bad bug, the bacteria C. Diff- difficulty. I guess that's how you pronounce it. At least 25,000 people per year now develop C. diff infections linked to antibiotic use and 14,000 die as a result. Second, overuse of antibiotics breeds superbugs, bacteria that often can't be controlled, even with multiple drugs. Dubček was a victim of MRSA. Oh, MRSA's bad. A bacteria, real bad. A bacteria that once confirmed to hospitals has now spread into the community, including nail salons, locker rooms, and playgrounds, where Dubček may have picked up his infection. MRSA and other resistant bacteria infect at least 2 million people in the U.S. annually, killing at least 23,000. As alarming as those numbers are, experts say things could get much worse and fast. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has sounded the alarm about tooth rats, CRE, capenum-resistant enterobacteria, which, when it gets into the bloodstream, kills almost 50% of hospital patients who are infected, and Shigella, a highly contagious bacteria that overseas travelers often bring home and that is now resistant to several common antibiotics raising fears of an outbreak in the U.S. The World Health Organization, those fuckers, and the European Union called the rise of resistant bacteria one of the world's most serious health crises, putting us on the verge of a post-antibiotic era. In June, President Obama convened a forum on the crisis at the White House attended by 150 organizations, including Consumer Reports. And his 2016 proposed budget included $1.2 billion for combating resistant infections. We're going to go, we're going to actually go back to a time where what's going to happen is they're going to have to use phage to take care of this. Yeah. You know what phage therapy is, right? Yes. Big in big in the big in Russia, big in countries that have no access to the expensive lab equipment to grow penicillin yeah. and other like antibiotics and 
I don't think they have that many problems with phage, although making it is fucking disgusting. Well, the last the last I heard, which obviously I haven't kept up on it, I think uh -huh. we're down to three antibiotics mm -hmm. that we're still good against most things. Yeah. <laughs> three. Right. Of all the ones available, there are now three that are, you know. Oh yeah. And yeah, and and doctors are very loath to give them out. Well, well, one was mentioned in the story, the one they have to put you in a coma to use it because it's that <laughs> well, strong. Yeah. Um, literally, yeah. it shuts your body down anyway, so they want to do it in a controlled well, manner. Um, and what's have... spooky is when vancomycin first came out, it was actually available in an oral form that yep. retail pharmacies were doling out, and someone, I'm not sure who or where, grew a brain cell and went, wait a minute. They pulled it off the fucking market. It's now reserved for hospital use only. Yeah. Um, you know, here here's some common sense stuff for everyone. First and foremost, do not go to a salon and get a pedicure or a manicure. It, no, do it yourself at home. Um, MRSA is evil shit, and once you get it, it's very, very difficult to get rid of because it has changed. The drugs are not working on it like the Used to, sulfa drugs would knock it out. Not so anymore. And the other thing is, if a doctor is giving you a prescription for an antibiotic that you have never taken before, I strongly suggest you ask that doctor if one that you have taken could be used or if there is a way for a topical sample of that to be put on your skin to see if you're going to have a reaction to it. Um, the clindamycin, which is brand name Cleosin that I mentioned in that, it's mm -hmm. commonly used to treat teenage acne. Yep. Um, you can put just a drop of that on the back of your hand, and if you start getting blisters, hello, you probably shouldn't <laughs> swallow this shit four times a day. Yeah. Um, so know your body. Communicate with your doctors. You know, there's times that you have to have antibiotics because there is evil shit running around, but... If it's at all humanly possible, stay away from the damn things because it really is weakening everyone's system. Yeah. And the critters are changing and they're adapting and they're not working anymore. Yeah, in the, uh, in the 60s and 70s, they were handing them out like smarties. Uh, oh, and now we're paying for yeah. it. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, People. Well, here, we're not quite we're not quite sure what's wrong with you, but how about we give you this antibiotic just in case? Yeah. Well, no, no it, it's a, shit. what it is is a case of shut up and go away. Most children, and I hate to tell you this, most children who have an ear infection, do you know there's three things you can do where you don't need to take them to a doctor. If your child's had an ear infection before, you probably know what it, it, it it's like. They're pulling on their ear, they're crying, they're rubbing their neck where the acoustrian tube runs down into their throat, right? Right. Give We've them all gum. That. Let them okay. chew gum, for God's sake. You could let them chew gum. You can get um, an oral decongestant that's safe for children. You can get Tylenol. That will open up the tubes and let the infected fluid flow out. The lymphatic system will drain it, and the body will take care of it. But you've got to give them something for pain. You've got to give them something to open those tubes up. A lot of times that works. If yep. it doesn't. If it doesn't. And this is like old time farmer cure here. 
vinegar. <laughs> yeah. Rubbing yeah, alcohol. That's what that makes, yeah. Glycerin. Uh, swimmer's all, is made all, out of vinegar. Yeah. Vinegar. Rubbing alcohol. Glycerin. A lot of glycerin to buffer it. Because when you put it in that kid's ear, it's going to hurt. But it's going to dry up the infection. The vinegar is going to kill whatever is active in there. And the glycerin is going to buffer it. I don't have yep. exact... I don't have exact ratios, but you can just look it up on Google and that works perfectly fine. And it works perfectly well for adults as well. There's no need to go rushing a child to a doctor when they're pulling on their ear nine times out of 10. If you've had multiple children, you've seen it, you, you now know how to deal with it without having your children put on more antibiotics. That's going to lead to more problems later. And destroy their teeth. Let's let least yeah, we talk too, about too. the fact that it destroys children's teeth. Yes. Well, it's not just that. If it were just that, it would be fine. You're killing off the good bacteria in the intestine. Has anybody noticed the rates of childhood obesity skyrocketing? Mm-hmm. They can tie it to that. They can tie it to the fact that you no longer have good bacteria in your intestinal tract. That's why everybody keeps gaining fucking weight. All the antibiotics in your poultry and in your meat and in your milk, if you're not making, killing, or processing your own, will eventually make you really sick. Because uh, yeah, we've, these we've animals... covered that. We've covered that before. This is why the European <clears throat> Union won't import any of your meat or dairy products. Yeah. And it can make you really sick. Uh, now, you know. It, it, oh, now, wait, happened? but you're talking, I'm, oh, shiny moment before I have to okay, leave. Right. Very just said, you know, they can't, that the yeah, UK they, won't import any of our meat. Well, right, that's right. just unfair. How come the WTO <laughs> isn't, how come the WTO isn't threatening you people with sanctions because you're refusing our products? I mean, that's just what they use for an excuse why they took country of origin off the meat products here in the United States was the WTO had a shit fit. So it's unfair. Because mm -hmm. uh, we control the banks, I think you'll find. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it is... Um, Literally, uh, according to the European Union, American milk, for instance, is not milk. It, it cannot be classified as milk under EU regulations because they met chemicals in it. Yeah. Here, milk is milk. <laughs> There's no milk chemicals in it. <laughs> milk is what comes from a mama cow. Yes. Yeah. All, yeah. all we do to it is pasteurize it. That, that's it. That's all we do to the milk over here. And, and our cows aren't bulked up on steroids and fed antibiotics, antibiotics I mean, and... and that's the thing do you realize the reason they feed animals this shit at cafe feedlots and stuff which i'm not a fan of cafe feedlots I, I personally prefer if i'm going to eat meat which i rarely do anymore that it come from a pasture fed cow all the way until it's butchered it's all dairy cow. cattle in the uk have to be pasture Cow. Not here. Yeah. Not here. Towards the end, they send them to a cafe feedlot, which is, I mean, it's it's a business decision. I'm just not a fan of it. Um, yeah. I like if I like. They feed them the antibiotics one because they're clustered in pretty close together, and and two because they're prone to infection, but three because it causes them to bulk up. Yeah. Yeah. If you're fortunate enough to live in a smaller area in the United States, you can find local farmers yeah. that 
grow their own cows and so you can get your meat from them mm -hmm. and there are a few around here but they're really hard to find where you can actually get real milk where it's raw milk um we can but get it's it really here. hard to get <clears throat> well you can get it here but it has to be labeled uh, for pet consumption <laughs> yeah because they don't want, they don't want people people drinking or eating it and yet the more sort of stuff like that you're exposed to the better it's supposed to be for you oh and yeah to, it comes from to, a healthy to, animal to and change I, I, think where, I think where a lot of this came from though is the fact that we're overpopulating this rock it's such an exponential rate that you know oh we have to do this to be able to produce we have to do this to be able to produce well no we don't what we need to do is we need for the government to stay the fuck out of farmers business and telling small farmers that hey we'll pay you to not farm your land mm -hmm. um yeah you know, I, I i really think at some point people are going to have to look at the population of this rock and I, i'm not saying that i'm for 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 killing people or limiting the the number of children somebody can have but what i am about is don't have eight kids if you can't take care of eight kids and and stop paying farmers not to farm yeah <laughs> how i mean about how fucking stupid does it get how about we stop criminalizing small farmers and making regulations so hard on them that they can't do anything but sell out to be part of a co-op. And yeah. how about we stop criminalizing people for the damn food choices? And how about we stop persecuting people that are trying to grow food in their own fucking yard and they're told by their cities that they can't do that? Well, now, now we're just living in dreamland because it went from the nanny state to the bully state a long time ago. We're just oh, living in it. Jan, did I tell you what I did? No. Did you see my Facebook post? <laughs> Speaking uh, of your own food. Of um, your basement? Yes. Your, your foil-lined, strange, yeah. deep purple basement. The, yes. The people I we bought this house from... from yeah, the people we bought this house... Well, we bought this house from the bank, but the people who lost it to the bank must not have been any good at what they were doing because they lost the house to the bank. But anyway, there there is a room built in my basement that they were they were growing something in um, <laughs> we're just gonna go with something i doubt not doing it well or they'd still herbs. have that out. Herbs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. but um because there's so much shade in the yard here and everything we are waiting for the kids to come down to help us put the greenhouse up mm -hmm. well you know me and me and my growing food and i thought well you know huh I've got grow lights. So we went down and we put new plastic up all the way around this, this room that these people had going. Um, that they even had uh, ventilation filters on. Go figure. Um, which, <laughs> which tends to lead me to um, an assumption about what they were growing. But, you know, and whatever. whatever. Um, but I set up a new hydroponic system in there. Um, and the the tube system that i have set up in it right now has 11 slots in it and then the tower system that paul built me for doing strawberries mm -hmm. i put that in there too and that's got 
12 on it. And then I have a tote system that I was growing squash in outside that I put in there that's got three in it. So I have all of this real estate and, and I'll keep you updated with pictures, but, um, and along with the new plastic, I put up reflector blankets so that my, that my vegetables all the way around can get sunlight Mm -hmm. or fake sunlight, whatever, you know, (laughs) um, they'll grow. But anyway, so I'll keep you updated on it. But as it is right now, um, I've got, I think, what's the math? I think I've got, I think I've got it set up that I can have 25 or 30 plants growing in there. And of course, because it's hydroponic, I don't need a a lot of real estate for each one of the plants in in root space. Mm -hmm. And they'll still be able to produce. When I was at the store the other day, I was paying almost a dollar a piece for green peppers and cucumbers. We're not even going to talk about um, how much tomatoes we're going for. So if I can keep a spaghetti squash going, a zucchini plant going, and my tomatoes, my green peppers, and um, my cucumbers, because Bernie is a cucumber fanatic, mm-hmm. I will, and of course lettuce. That's what right. I'm, I'm going to put lettuce in, in the tower system, um, put leaf lettuce in there, because lettuce is crazy ass expensive too, and it shouldn't be. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that's my new project down here on the farm. <laughs> Yeah. No accidental triffids. Do you have going on the porch, though, too? Yeah, I, I do. Um, my koi pond is feeding an aquaponic system I have set up out there that's got 18 slots in it. So what are you going to do with that when the temperatures cool off? I'm, I'm going to bring those plants in and plug them in downstairs. Okay. You know, gives whole new meaning to green acres, your house. Well, Kevin did say my house was like a whole other country. It's not that it's a whole other country. Let's put it this way. You live a way of life that our grandparents led. You lead it out of choice where they had no choice. And you do it because you love your family. Same as our great-grandparents do. So what is the different country about this? There's nothing about this that's weird. There's nothing about it that's unusual. It's a more normal way of life than going to the grocery store and having no interaction with your food. Yeah, I think. Well, and I mean, a lot of people think that they, they have to have all of this real estate um, in their house to be able to grow anything inside. Mm-hmm. And that is just not so, because I mean, this room I measured off, it's six foot by eight foot. That's all the bigger it is. It's a six foot by eight foot place. And you have to understand that 25% of that space, one whole corner of this mm-hmm. space, isn't going to be used for any of that. Right. That one whole corner is just going to be, what I'm going to bring my fodder system in. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, I mean, when I lived in Pennsylvania, I grew fodder in the house all winter anyway. But mm-hmm. down here, I'm bringing it in because it's getting cool down here at night. Mm-hmm. And fodder doesn't like to be in the 40s. Right. It, right. it doesn't like that. So, mm-hmm. um all of that that I just talked about is only going to be in 75% of the space of this room. So you, you don't have to have a lot of space to be able to continue to grow produce for your family that actually is in a large quantity. Well, I mean, and I think people don't realize that if you go and you buy yourself, say, some organic lettuce or some organic celery and i say that because it's supposed to be grown without pesticides and herbicides and the like it 
think it's grown mostly with nicotine. That's what they use. Uh, black leaf 60 is what they use as a pesticide. And we're all pretty much used to nicotine. Yeah. Um, you can come home and you cut the bottom off your celery. You can core out your lettuce. You can start them in water and you can grow them year round and keep growing them inside without any special equipment. And there's a ton of food that you can grow from the scrap you throw away and no one talks about it, but it's an easy way to save money and take control over what you're eating and lower your grocery bills. So you don't have to be an urban farmer to do this you can just do it at home simply. Well, and Jeannie talked to people about that little 25% corner where you're moving your fodder. How many animals are you feeding with that? <laughs> Do you really want the number? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, we have right now, we have 13, we have 12 hens and one rooster and 24 rabbits. Okay. In a tiny corner is generating all the all food the for all that. Yeah. Yeah. And you but, spend what three bucks getting the stuff to start the fodder? Uh, seven. Okay. But, okay. That, but that seven dollars goes um, thirty-three days. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There, there are ways to do this stuff, and there are ways to opt out of the system that does some of the things that um, our food safety system does. I rarely eat meat anymore since they pulled country of origin labeling off of everything. That was spooky. If, if I don't know where it comes from, I really don't want to eat it. Yeah. You know, just saying. Funnily enough, I'm lucky. I eat all Scottish meat. <laughs> and, and Harry, you are really lucky. Yeah. Um, because most of the, the fowl that you find at the store... Um, has been raised locally on small production farms, mm -hmm. not large production farms. Um, they they recently had a thing here. Um, eggs have to be washed before they're sold in the store here. Oh, in, don't go into that. In the that. UK, that's, that's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's illegal to sell a washed egg in the yeah, UK. Yeah, because you're damaging the egg. And it's for a reason. Yeah. 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 Um, but, and it's like, you know, we raise our poultry and we've we got really lucky and found a guy down here that that has a poultry farm that will will sell you poultry at cost you can go in and see his whole production facility and everything it's fucking great but anyway okay. the chicken that we raise my kid wanted to know what i did to the chicken and i said what do you mean he's like this is really good mom what did you do i'm like nothing um factory farm factory here in the united states the the animals are not well fed they're not well exercised they're not well cared for in general and antibiotics are put in their water supply antibiotics are put in their water supply um and you know here at my house it's as simple as feeding them some oregano and feeding them some parsley and letting them forage on cilantro and things like that and it keeps them healthy when they're not okay. all penned up in a 12 inch by 12 inch space for their entire life yep. they produce better food 
yeah. where for you to go to the store and buy something that quality, you're looking at, you know, what is, what's a porterhouse steak now at the store? Eleven ninety nine a pound? That's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's, dream that's, on. That's all that costs where you live? <laughs> yeah, I would say it's like 20 bucks a pound here. Yeah. I, I would say the UK, we still do have battery chickens, but they're clearly marked as such in the supermarket, so it's completely up to you whether you buy it or not. Same with the eggs. You can choose what eggs you buy, you know, whether they're battery produced not, or farm produced, you know. Not too yeah. far from us is a Tyson factory where they oh, grow all this shit, you know. And there have been numerous streams and creeks that have been shut down and the EPA has come in and said, no, you're, you're dumping your waste in here again. And now not only are they raising them in these environments, but then they're shipping them over to China to get them processed and mm -hmm. then sending them back to America to be sold. And, it's and they're like, marked as Chinese goods. Yeah. yeah. Somebody explain to me where the fucking logic is in all of this. Yeah. Well, that was that was the NAFTA agreement. Say thank you to Bill Clinton for his hard work in getting that passed. Don't yeah. get me started. And repealing Glass-Steagall. I'm so glad he had company shit. last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it, it this is what i hate to say it this is what globalism does yeah well this is it i mean the, the the stupidest one i know of is in scotland right we mm -hmm. produce a lot of pine wood okay because that's what scotland got deforested building lots of ships and the like but in the Victorian era, they started replanting all the trees. Um, and they picked um, pine, because they grow quite quick. And they also grow straight. So easy to process, you know, and easy to manage. So we, we, we cut down loads and loads of pine, and most of it goes to Norway. Uh-huh. Guess where Scotland gets most of its pine wood from? Norway. Norway. Norway, yes. So there's all this wood going back and forth across the North Sea. <laughs> They're buying ours, we're buying theirs. No logic. <laughs> all that lovely well, IKEA furniture people buy, it's probably made with Scottish wood. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's perfect. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, speaking of that, What's going on with Brexit, Barry? I mean, I figure you're in a better position to know than any of the newspapers ah, here. Right, are right. It's me. definitely, definitely going to start by March 17th, I believe it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're definitely going to um, enact Article 50 by then, at the latest. Honest Gov, we're going to do it. <laughs> well, I don't think they have a choice. I mean, I think that the people who want it want it badly enough that they're going to sit on the politicians until they actually do it. Yeah. So. But oh and in part part of the news is they want to come up with a with a, a package of EU laws that they're just going to get re repeal straight away. Right? That's so the way do, to do, it, it. do it in a package. So yeah, Bye, yeah, va va vapors are going to be uh, talking to all our MPs. And going, uh, oh, you want you oh, suggestions for what you want rid of? Uh, TPD two, please. 
Yeah, get rid of that. <laughs> well, I mean, the whole the whole TPD is kind of a farce, and, yeah. and it, it it's just ridiculous. But not as bad as what you've got, but it's still a farce. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Harry, well, the people who don't do want to do over, but will they be willing to show up to vote this time? Yeah. I mean, isn't that how we get the worst, the lesser of two evils every election cycle? Because yeah. only certain people are willing to go out and cast a vote. Isn't that how you get what we have? So yeah, the do-over <laughs> thing. As as politicians, <laughs> yeah, um, yes. loads of senior liberal liberal Democrats have now defected to the Tory Party <laughs> because the liberal leader uh, stated, "Oh, we should have another vote." And they're like, that, "That's not democracy." Bye. Mm -hmm. Because what you just keep you just keep having referendums until you get the result you want. Well, <laughs> um, it's what the EU kind of forced Denmark and Ireland to do over the EU charter. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't really say anything because our our voting system's fucked here too. Yeah, but um, you know, it, it at least we don't force people to vote over and over and over and over again. I mean, that's the Can we have a, a 10 second guest appearance? Steve has a question for Very. Sure. Uh -huh. Ask. Hey, Very, is the UK still going to go ahead with building a wall in Calais? I have no idea. Um, it's not been talked about that seriously, actually. Um, it, it makes a lot of press, because press love those sort of headlines. Um, That's what I was wondering, yeah. if it was sensationalism or if it had any basis to it. It has been talked about, but it's been sensationalized. It's not been talked about seriously. Uh, it comes down to the fact that the French, now that we've announced we're leaving the EU, are like, but but we're holding all these migrants for you. And the UK's gone, yeah, well, you shouldn't have let them cross your country and camp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is true. You. You know, if, if they didn't want them there, why do they have them there? Yeah. Um, yeah. And Britain's taking that sort of line. It's like, no, we're not going to take these people unless we want to. And France is like, you know, being uppity about it, basically going... Oh, we'll, we'll we'll force you to take them. Uh, we're like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's that sort of politics. It's it's like okay. the the Trump Clinton debates. <laughs> it's like schoolyard shit, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing I saw that looked serious was Norway was talking about building a wall, yeah. and it's not even a big one. It's that stupid. Remember, we talked about a stupid chain link fence to yeah. stop people from just walking across the border. Yeah, you know they they just want to see who's coming through. Yeah. So they're building a wall, and everybody's like, "See, even Norway wants to do what Trump wants to do." It's like, uh, no, that's we call those exactly retaining walls here. <laughs> that's that's not exactly true. It's a chain link fence. It's not really a wall. It's just to provide a Plus little bit of security. Plus, it's not actually yeah. It's not actually going to be that big because yeah. yeah, most of Norway's border is either sea or mountain. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, it's not actually got that much to build. <laughs> yeah, but everybody who 
is a big Trump supporter jumping all over it. See, they want to build all... No. That but most, most of the European exactly countries true. are now talking about that because of the, the amount of Syrian refugees that we've got all over the place now. They do, you know what? They're starting you to realise they do need a bit of control over all these people moving about. But you know what might help? If we stop fucking bombing them, maybe they wouldn't keep showing up. Probably. Yeah, that, that, that would probably help a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I do. I think if we stop bombing the shit out of these people, Aleppo, Syria, all these countries, we probably wouldn't have these radical refugees that come in and, and kill and rape people. And Isn't that interesting? Them, and there's not all of them doing it. But there are some. Yeah, yeah, and, and and somebody somebody in the mental health community has pointed out a lot of these incidents in Europe, especially with these young men doing these violent acts. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been pointed out. Um, quite a lot of them are probably suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, having had their city bombed flat. Um, well, it kind of well, tends well, to put know, you in a sort of odd mental place. Let's face it. All I can say is I can lay a lot of that shit at Ms. Hillary Clinton's feet. Yeah. So I, I am not a fan. I'm not a fan of her foreign policy. Oh, there was well, one from there was one from Calais to, today or yesterday. There's, right. there's not just Syrian refugees. There's refugees from right. Afghanistan as well. And, mm -hmm. and the French were wanting to send them back to Afghanistan. And they're basically having to sit in and refusing to go. Because, yes, another country that if you've left, you really don't want to go back to. I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why. You basically have dirt and a rock. Yeah. And, yeah. Because so. they put in lots of exemptions for the Syria, Syrian refugees. But not for ones from other countries. Because <laughs> there's um, the camp in Calais got refugees from all over the world. Um, right. Not not just Syria. I mean, let's face it. There are wars and disruption happening. What's about fifty countries everywhere. at the minute? Yes. Yeah. I'm not I'm, even I'm, looking at that fucking map. It creeps me out. <laughs> <laughs> Undeclared wars, uh, global police actions. Um, yes. You know, and a lot of this stuff is called police actions. Uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, it's the British that started that shit. The We're UN going to kill is... loads of people abroad, but it's it's policing. It's not war. No, 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 no. <laughs> we started well, that in South Africa uh, before the First World War. That was a well, that was the first policing action. Yeah. Well, thanks for that because that has just continued fabulously. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm just saying. I think I think our foreign policy sucks. Um, I think it's killing and making angry a whole bunch of people. And it's taking our kids and sending them to war. I'm, I'm sick up to my eyeballs of our kids going and fighting rich men's wars. And if I people am. want to see that foreign policy in this country change, they really, really, really need to look at the three, four names that are going to be on the ballot and decide out of those names which ones are actually going to institute change along those lines. I can promise you it is not going to be a Democrat or a Republican that institutes those kind of changes. I, I don't think anybody's going to have an easy time instituting those kinds of changes. No, no, no. And, and it's not just the presidential election either, though. It, the problem is here you have to have the House work with the Senate, work with the president to get shit done, and none of them are ever on the same fucking page when it counts. 
Well, there's that, but I, you know what kind of sickens me, and I, I think I can hold a lot of this down to fucking election fraud. The more I've looked into our elections and the way they're run and just how easy it is to put one over on the system, the more I think that a lot of these elections are rigged, a lot of them, even the local ones. But um, Well, a good start would be to get the dead people to stop voting. Well, we'll get to that. There, there's a few <laughs> more of those voting again. Hey, so, hey, hey, sure. hey. Don't pick on the dead. There's those imaginary people as well that are voting. But by uh, God, they have every right. Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't. They're not paying taxes. So if you're not paying taxes and you're dead, you shouldn't get a ballot. It's just that simple. Oh, so Trump shouldn't get a vote then. Okay. Well, he looks dead. I, I don't <laughs> think he technically qualifies as dead, but he... Well, he doesn't pay dead. taxes, apparently, so... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Hillary Clinton didn't pay him last year either, so she shouldn't get a vote either. Not that they're good. We're, we can agree on that. Yeah, yeah, those two shouldn't <laughs> get to vote, right. <laughs> so by, the, by extension, does that mean we can say their families don't either? Well, yeah, if they're if they're if they're, okay. uh, if they are considered in a, a single household with total income and they haven't paid taxes, yeah. Well, the, the, we're we're on to something here. Okay, <laughs> what about all their friends that give them all this money? I don't think the Rothschilds should have a vote because they're already pumping way too much money into these elections. The Rothschilds, the Koch brothers. Oh, it's okay. The Roth the Rothschilds. It's people. not costing them that much money. They're busy trying to steal the banks and oil out of Syria, apparently. Well, again, like I said, you want foreign policy that uh, doesn't include, you know, people coming to your country and losing their shit on you and stabbing you to death. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe we need to stop bombing these people. Yeah. It, it all comes back to that. So I'm sure you're it's aware of that. I'm sure you're aware of that one, John, the reports last week that Rothschild oh, yeah. and the other banks were sniffing around Syria. Of course they are. It's funny they can get representatives in, but the aid agencies can't. Well, these people, they, you know, they're not going to need their oil if they're dead. Yeah. I mean, it's... God, I hate those people. I really do. I, I fucking hate bankers, big bankers. And but, I'm yeah, not I mean, Rothschild about... was even buying buying up shares in all the industries in Syria. So, yes. Well, I mean, what kills me is after the war in Iraq, right? Because I shouldn't know this, but I do. The first thing to come back online were the cell phone companies. Yep. The telecoms were the first things to come up. People had no water. They had no access to medicine. They had no place to go for work, but they could use their fucking cell phones. That tells you something about the interests that lie behind these wars. Or it should. I mean, oh. it's not... All you need to know about the interests behind the war, wars, is now the British do it as well, but yours are far more blatant. Is <laughs> you see these overseas American temporary military bases like they have <laughs> in Iraq and Afghanistan, and you see a film crew going around them, and there's McDonald's, Starbucks. <laughs> it's like it's a war zone. How come corporations have outlets in the military base? Well, war brought to you by crony capitalism. Yeah. That's um, the one that cracked me up, was the first report I saw from Iraq, from the American military base. And in the background, there's people queuing to go in, in, into a Burger King. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
Literally, yeah. they'd built the base, and then Burger King had sent in men and equipment as well. It's like, oh my god! And by the <laughs> by the by the end of the crisis, there, I mean, there's Pizza Hut and all sorts in there. <laughs> Taco Bell. <laughs> yep. You know, Basically, all the biggest corporations had outlets in the military bases. It's like, oh dear. It was Coca-Cola that started that shit, though, in the First World War. The portable oh. production facilities. Mm -hmm. Basically, Coca-Cola invented a truck that was basically a Coca-Cola production facility. And they used to follow the troops in. Constantly you know making Coca-Cola everywhere they went. Oh, and then they'd set right. up factories in all the towns as they're advancing. Um, uh, okay, you want to talk about something fucked up? Let's talk about the history of Fanta. Yeah. Why does Fanta exist? Tell everybody why Fanta exists. It, it, it was an accident. <laughs> it, it was an accident, but that accident starts with Adolf Hitler. Yeah. And ends with the Americans going, uh, no, we'll be taking our syrup for our country and our troops. Thank you. Yeah. So they had these Coke production facilities in Germany and no way to flavor the soda. Yeah. And that's where Fanta comes from. Fanta comes to you courtesy of Nazi Germany. It, it must be said it's not that nice anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. Thank God I've never drank this shit, but... Well, I mean... It's vaguely, vaguely fruity, if you don't know <laughs> what fruit tastes like. Yeah, because the I Germans swear... didn't have actual fruit to put in it, so it's all artificial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all I can say is there's certain products I boycott in principle. That's one of them. Certain products, certain corporations. Um, mo most of the ones that had slave labor in the Nazi death camps, I'm I'm really touchy about buying products from them. So you should see what I'm limited to. That's why I'm a big <laughs> Etsy shopper. You know what I mean? I like handmade stuff because I don't have a fucking choice. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So that was fun. Um, yeah, you've done one uh, infection story. Huh? You did one infection story. Yeah. You've got another yeah, two, I, haven't you? Yeah, yeah I do. I, I, I turned the pick. Yeah, that's right. Your pick. My pick. pick Your pick. So yeah. difficult. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many good ones to choose from. That's what you mean. There's they're all so uplifting and positive, it's hard to pick a good one. Oh, go with Yahoo. It's oh. it's all in the news at the minute. <laughs> okay. Let's go with a popular story. Yeah. Okay, this is from The Guardian, <laughs> um, and Trevor Tim wrote it, and it's called, Yahoo may have let the government spy on emails. Now will we embrace encryption? Well, um, judging from the way things are going, probably fucking not. Uh, yeah. Not only would this likely violate the Fourth Amendment, giving the NSA or FBI a backdoor into a tech company's innards could let hackers in too. In a blockbuster scoop, Reuters... Joseph Men is reporting that Yahoo secretly built a software program in 2015 that scanned all of its millions of customers' incoming emails at the behest of U.S. intelligence officials, which led to its chief security officer resigning in protest. We don't know exactly what the U.S. government might have been searching for, 
but we do know that this is potentially a huge privacy violation that strikes at the heart of the Fourth Amendment's prohibition on indiscriminate search and seizure. Yahoo's reported secret collaboration with the U.S. government also brings up several points that warrant further investigation. Yahoo is a law-abiding company and complies with the laws of the United States, the company said in a statement to Reuters. Bullshit! Oh, yeah, well, sure. Much of the discussion about Edward Snowden's 2013 revelations has focused on the NSA's mass phone spying program. The courts later ruled illegal. But many people forget the New York Times also reported in 2013, based on previously published Snowden documents, that the NSA had been scanning countless emails going into and out of the U.S. for years looking for certain keywords. This Yahoo story seems to be an escalation of this type of about or upstream surveillance, which was once done by the NSA secretly wiretapping internet cables owned by AT&T and others. Since many email companies have started encrypting their emails in transit, since that story came out, the NSA probably can't do the type of surveillance unilaterally or with the help of AT&T anymore. The U.S. government now seems to be moving to force internet companies to do this type of mass surveillance for them on the company's servers where the data remains accessible. Civil liberties groups have been calling this type of about mass surveillance in which the government scans all emails for certain keywords illegal and unconstitutional for years but so far no court has ruled definitely one way or another, mainly because the U.S. has been hiding behind official secrecy to question it, or to prevent it. Now, the question reporters should be asking is, if Yahoo received this secret order, what about other tech giants? Did Google, Facebook, and Microsoft receive similar demands to wiretap their own systems from searching all emails at behest of the U.S. government or others? The Yahoo story, if borne out, would be the quintessential example of how government-mandated backdoors are dangerous for everyone's security and why end-to-end -end encryption needs to be a standard on all our communication platforms. Incredibly, Yahoo apparently built this backdoor into its email system without even telling its security chief, Alex Stamos. The sources said this program was discovered by Yahoo's security team in May 2015 within weeks of its installation, then reported. The security team initially thought hackers had broken in. Stamos was reportedly furious and resigned in protest. Due to a programming flaw in the software, he told Yahoo executives, hackers could have accessed the stored emails, Ben explained. Security experts have been highlighting for years how backdoors not only give access to the good guys, but could also let other criminals or foreign governments into our communication systems. This is, this is exactly why this type of mass surveillance that end-to-end -end encryption would prevent. Currently, Yahoo's emails are encrypted as they travel from one server to another, but can be read by Yahoo at the company's discretion. Stamos is now the director of security at Facebook, which coincidentally just rolled out end-to-end -end encryption on its popular Facebook Messenger app, which is now used by more than 900 million people around the world. Unfortunately, much like Google's just-launched and much-maligned new chat program, Allo, Facebook Messenger's end-to-end -end encryption is opt-in, so only a tiny fraction of users ever likely turn it on. This type of encryption should be standard and turned on by default in all messaging apps and ideally email as well. Users should consider switching to apps where default end-to-end -end encryption is already turned on, including WhatsApp, Signal, and Apple's iMessage. Uh, WhatsApp, I I'm going to recommend you don't use WhatsApp. Just, I, I, there's some funny shit going on with it. Okay. Uh, finally, Yahoo's possible betrayal of its users is another example of why whistleblowers and leaks to the press are so important. The U.S. government considers this type of surveillance quote-unquote legal, 
even though it shocks the conscience of many ordinary Americans and dozens of civil liberty groups have been attempting to have courts rule it illegal for years. The only reason we know about it is because brave people came forward at the risk of their freedom to tell us. For that, we owe them a great debt. True. All true. Don't use WhatsApp. Just yeah, saying. it's Don't it's, use it. it's um it's opened itself recently. Yes. It occurred to yeah. it occurred to me with all the Yahoo stories. It's like it, mm-hmm. it's possible your government has has read emails of mine that I haven't. Because I have mentioned I do have a Yahoo Mail account. Right. But the only thing, the only reason I've got it was to mm-hmm. have Flickr, the you know photo sharing. Right. I have never used it for the actual email, <laughs> so it's possible there's junk email in there that your government's read that I haven't even looked at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I don't even use it, the email their email service apart from as a logon. So yeah, it's quite possible. Yeah, you, there's a, there's there's a there's a guy somewhere at the NSA who's who knows more about my Yahoo account than I do, <laughs> or at least what yeah. junk has been sent to my Yahoo account since I've given nobody that email address i'm trying to think what's a good email service now because gmail not great um i stick with hotmail basically at the minute well i i know what you stick with i'm talking about what's really secure um Um, what um, makes you think any of it's secure none of it's secure really no communications encryption end-to-end encryption makes it slightly more secure although you know i i'm at the point now where I don't even trust, I don't even trust some of of what is supposed to be the securest. Yeah, yeah. They've got quantum cookies. There's quantum computers now that are really, really tiny. So nothing is truly safe. But you can make it really fucking hard on these assholes. Yeah. And I, I think we just have to make it hard on them. We have to use it on mass, whatever it is. Turn on encryption in Messenger. It's really not hard. Um, I hate Messenger, by the way. I've got it on an end-of-life device because I despise it so much and it sucks so badly. It, um, it's just it's bloatware and it's horrible. But, like I said, I have it on an end-of-life device just so I can communicate with people. But I have encryption turned on. It's terribly easy to turn it on. There yeah. are email apps, and I'll look into it for next week, I think, email apps and and email services that are really good for that. I mean, there used to be something called ghost mail, which was pretty good. Um, Yeah. I mean, um, if you use desktop clients on your PC, there are usually add-ons that Mm -hmm. uh, can do extra encryption. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But essentially even pen and paper is not really secure anymore. No. But. Well, they don't, they, they, they're, they're so high tech these days, they don't even need to open a letter to be able to read what's in a letter. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. the, the, <laughs> they have x-ray scanners now that can scan and only pick up the graphite or the ink. Yeah. And they'll be able to. Maybe we need to go OCR old and set up a bunch of stations all across the world and start using <laughs> Morse code again. Because nobody knows Morse code anymore. 
Oh, yeah. Um, Tawanta? Tuanota is encrypted. How well it works, I don't know. But there's a link. They have apps. I don't think having an app makes you any more fucking secure. I think it makes you leak data. Yeah. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah, the the, the, so, the more the more apps and programs you're using, the more data you're leaking, basically. Oh so, yeah, yeah, you are. So Which like is one I reason said, why I like using desktop clients for things like email on my me, computer. Because then it's one I, piece of software. It, I do too, and it's also very secure. Yeah. Uh, I think a wired connection is a lot safer than a Wi-Fi connection. We've talked about the things they can read from your Wi-Fi yeah. on your phones, on your tablets, wherever you happen to be using them. So, it. I am on my third cell phone since 1992. Um, I, yeah, it's a phone, and. I finally had to retire my poor razor because one, it was falling apart. And number two, I got notification come December, they were no longer going to support it. So I had to go get a new phone. Mm -hmm. So I go to Best Buy, drop 50 bucks on a Samsung three, whatever it works. So I go to the phone store. It's like, you need to transfer all of my contacts and stuff, get my voicemail set up. And the guy's looking at it and he goes, what are you going to use this for? And I went, it's a phone. I'm going to call on it, you <laughs> fucking monkey. He goes, yeah, he, he goes, so what are you going to use your phone for? And I went, talking to people in the occasional text message. And, <laughs> and, and he started laughing. And he goes, you'll be back in a few weeks. And I went, you're so mistaken. And <laughs> I proceeded to let this guy know that no, I actually wish I still had my first cell phone, which was a Nokia the size of a brick that you could drive <laughs> over and it would still work. Um, I love I my Nokia. Computers. Oh, God, they were fabulous. It's like there is not a damn thing on my cell phone except phone numbers. Um, that scares the shit out of me. What if you lose your cell phone and you've got bank information on there? or other personal information or access to accounts that you've got online. No, no, uh -uh. I, I don't well, need it. The only thing I really have on my cell phone is cell 411. Um, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for everything I do. Um, it, it enables you to handle conflict and conflict resolution without involving the police. It enables you to stealthily record any interaction you have with police. Um, I just find it a good, useful thing to have on my cell phone. That's why I have it. But I have almost nothing on mine. But there is, isn't there something you can, weren't you talking about something before, Barry, that'll brick your phone up? There's lots like, of things that will. <laughs> right. But yeah, there's well, security software that will turn off all the external connections. Yeah. Yeah. So there are things you can do that if it gets stolen, you can turn it into basically a fucking brick. Yeah. On the thing. Yeah. So, I mean... But, yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite from Margot, you see. My, my phone isn't used 
to phone. I don't phone anybody uh, unless I absolutely have to. I I always use your text or mm-hmm. computer communication. So my my phone is basically a portable computer, but in it is a portable computer in the one I've got. So yeah, but I also mm-hmm. yeah I I use a password manager. So yeah. all my data on my phone has that extra security straight away. <laughs> Oh, and also, yeah. I'm very good at not losing things. So I don't leave it lying around. So it mm-hmm. can get handily swiped off a table while I'm having a coffee and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I keep very... You know, I call me old-fashioned. I, I tend to keep my hands on all my stuff when I'm out <laughs> and about. <laughs> well, you know, keep stuff on my person, you know. But it's, but it's not just that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's... I just... And I have that app for telling me if I'm being, you know, stingrayed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's like actually that. a really good app. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's more than one. Um, yeah. And it, it takes the, the one app that I'm talking about. I don't know if we're talking about the same app. It takes a while. It takes like a day of walking around to figure out what's what and what's what's a cell phone spoofing um tower what's not where they are um and then it it will show you a map yes the map of where you of where you go and and where they are so yeah no it i still haven't come across one yet but then we don't have that many stingrays in the UK, so it's not that surprising. Well, we fucking got them everywhere here. <laughs> also, so, I, I I don't live in a big city or anything, so I don't. I, either, I suspect but... the only place I'd probably find stingrays would be in London, uh, in the UK. <laughs> well, may- maybe Birmingham, every... Manchester, possibly Glasgow, Edinburgh. But well, I don't go there was... that often, so yeah. What I was gonna say is, I bet there's one near every banker's apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in the general vicinity, just cause. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't uh, do a lot of stuff with my phone. I do text, but I have Signal, um, Signal from Open Whisper Systems. That is my default app. And if I text you, if I'm going to send you a text, and you're in my contacts. I'll invite you to use Signal and and hopefully you'll accept because Signal does two great things. Uh, Signal encrypts end-to-end, but it also never shows up on your phone. It never You never get a text charge for that because it's like it never existed. Yeah. That's one of the great things about Signal. So it's secure, but it's also saving you money if you're a heavy texter. Just throwing that out there. Um, oh, is it my turn to pack? I used the alarm clock on my phone. Yeah, I miss good. my my Nokia <laughs> my Nokia had literally the best alarm clock. I miss that. Um, no, no, so... I, I would say my phone has the best alarm. Uh, I uh, when I need to set an alarm, it's Ride of the Valkyrie. Hmm. That next to your head first thing in the morning, unless you're oh. dead, you're going to be waking up. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about Booz Allen Hamilton. <laughs> surprisingly surprisingly so it just came out literally last week about the Booz Allen Hamilton contractor who they're saying well we don't think he actually sold secrets to anybody we think he's just a hoarder a hoarder a secret hoarder 
Yeah, that sounds likely. Okay. NSA theft suspect worked for contractor that sells the government tech for spotting rogue employees. What is it about Booz Allen Hamilton? Booz Allen Hamilton, the defense contracting giant whose employee was charged Wednesday in connection with the theft of hacking codes used by the National Security Agency, provides a very ironic service to the government, spotting rogue employees. The highly secretive contractor in 2014 launched a special service called Insider Foresight, designed to help the government spot insider threats, such as employees who steal confidential documents. Oh, the irony. Insider for site behavior assessment tools are applied against expected role models to detect rogue insiders before significant damage occurs, a company brochure boasts. Booz Allen Hamilton Marketing asks, how do we deter insider threats before rogue employees can do significant damage? Oh, God, the irony in this is just rich. Booz Allen Hamilton employee Howard Martin III, a contractor for the NSA, was charged today with illegally copying and taking home highly confidential code used for infiltrating computers of foreign governments. The incident is sure to refocus attention on the $5.4 billion company, which also employed Edward Snowden, another NSA private contractor who stole documents from the agency. Snowden acted in order to reveal a vast government surveillance program, some of which have been subsequently deemed by federal courts as unconstitutional. Martin's motives are not clear. Horatio Rosansky, Booz Allen Hamilton's chief executive, highlighted the importance of its insider threat detection software on the company investor call in January 2015, discussing the firm's success in securing a three-year, $39 million contract from the Department of Homeland Security. Rosansky said that the firm's predictive intelligence platform includes assessing insider threats was a major dif differentiator in winning this work. In an interview with CNBC, Assistant Attorney General for National Security, John Carlin, commented briefly on the arrest of Martin, noting that the Department of Justice is concerned about the risk posed by insider threats. We also need to take into account whether it's economic espionage or traditional espionage. The focus on those who are trusted within our companies, within our government, who can exploit that trust to cause enormous harm, Carlin said. Who's Alan Hamilton, which declined to comment to The Intercept, provided a statement to the press noting that it is a 102-year-old company and the alleged conduct does not reflect our core values. Thousands of our employees support critical client missions with dedication and excellence each day. Their professionalism, values, and ethics are what define our firm. As Bloomberg noted, Booz Allen Hamilton's ability to continually win major government contracts appears ensured by the roster of intelligence community heavyweights on its payroll. The firm not only retains the service of lobbyists, but also employs a high number of in level of high-level intelligence officials, including former NSA Director Mike McConnell, James Clapper. The current director of national intelligence is a former Booz Allen Hamilton executive. Well, you know, no, no problems there. There's definitely nothing wrong with that company, and there's no conflict of interest with any of the people serving on their fucking board. Can, can I just say, yeah. 102, oh, 102 years old, and they still haven't come up with a decent name for the damn company. It's still got <laughs> one of the stupidest names in the world. Yeah, but, you know, what's nice is that their fucking employees are trusted to dig into our personal lives so thoroughly. Cheers! Yeah. 
But yeah, it, I, I find it unsurprising that they keep finding dodgy employees. <laughs> well, every I mean, company has them, after all. So I know. I agree with that, but eh, I'm not really surprised about it. I don't want to talk about Venezuela again this week. Let's just say you don't want to get a scraped knee in Venezuela, and we'll leave it at that. Um, am I wrong? You're looking at the show notes. Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah. No. And any any right. any uh, jungle type uh, environment, I, I wouldn't want to be getting any sort of abrasions anyway, because uh, there can always be complications, even if you do have medicine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I want to talk about this just because I think it's fucking ridiculous. The National Guard. <laughs> went into the yard of an 81-year-old woman to seize her single pot plant. But it, it would be one thing if they just seized it, but no, they. It, this is fucking ridiculous. Amherst, Massachusetts. Tell your grannies to be careful. Yeah, don't, don't grow your freaking pot outside while the National Guard can see you. Um, <clears throat> Amherst. All that remains is a solitary marijuana plant an 81-year-old grandmother had been growing behind her South Amherst home is a stump in a ragged hole in the ground. Margaret Holcomb said she was growing the plant as medicine, a way to ease arthritis and glaucoma and help her sleep at night. Tucked away in a raspberry patch and separated by a fence from any neighbors, the plant was nearly ready for harvest when a military-style helicopter and police descended on September 21st. In a joint raid, oh, the irony, the Massachusetts National <laughs> Guard and State Police entered her yard and cut down the solitary plant in what her son, Tim Holcomb, said was a pretty shocking action, one he argues constitutes unlawful surveillance and illegal search and seizure. It's scary as hell, said Tim Holcomb. Those agencies also conducted raids in Wendell and Granbury recently. Holcomb said he was at his mother's home eating a late lunch with his sister when they heard whirring blades and looked up to see a military-style helicopter circling the property with two men crouching in an open door and holding a device that he suspects was the thermal imager to detect marijuana plants. Margaret Holcomb was not home at the time. Within 10 minutes of the helicopter departing, several vehicles arrived at the home, including a pickup truck with a bed filled with marijuana plants seized at other locations, and several state police troopers, including one who flashed his badge. He asked me if I knew there was a marijuana plant growing on the property. I didn't answer the question. I asked, what are you doing here, Holcomb recalled. Holcomb said he was told as long as he did not demand that a warrant be provided to enter the property or otherwise escalate the situations, authorities would file no criminal charges. We just want the illegal contraband, Holcomb recalled the officer saying. Margaret Holcomb does not have a medical marijuana card authorizing her to grow or possess marijuana. Holcomb said she is not a huge social activist, but she's ready to stand up in this case, which she feels her civil rights were violated. If she's unable to get a marijuana medical marijuana by other means, she said she may grow another plant. I'm prepared to take actions if I need to, Margaret Holcomb said. I don't picture them out here pulling up an 80 put in pulling up and putting an 81-year-old woman in jail. Oh, her, she lacks imagination then. State police yeah. spokesman Dave Dave Prosipo confirmed in an email that state police and National Guard enforcement occurred in the Amherst in Northampton area September 21st. He said that the plant at Margaret Holcomb's home was one of 44 found on various properties outside and in plain view that day. 
At each location where property owners were home, troopers identified themselves and explained the purpose for their visit, why the plants were being grown illegally, and seized the plants, Prosopos said. None of the property owners was charged with a crime. The seizures included an additional 21 plants in Amherst, with 16 on Montague Road and 5 on the Potawa Line, 2 plants on Cross Path Road in Northampton, and 20 in Hadley, with 10 plants on Honeypot Road, and 8 on River Road, and 2 on Pine Hill Road. Such enforcement actions have become commonplace since the 2012 law that made medical marijuana legal in Massachusetts, according to the Northampton attorney, Michael Coulter. The exact same stuff happened last year, said Coulter, who specializes in helping clients understand the state's medical marijuana law and recently participated in drafting the language of the November 8 ballot initiative that would legalize recreational use of marijuana. The latest enforcement push comes almost exactly a year after a prominent medical marijuana proponent Ezra Prasbach was prosecuted after a Massachusetts National Guard helicopter observed plants growing in his backyard in Northampton. State police seized 67 marijuana plants, 21-gallon bags of marijuana, 59 jars of hash oil, three scales, a heat sealer, numerous ledgers and receipts, and $1,640 in cash. Uh, he was charged with possession of marijuana and hash oil and intent to distribute. Last November, he admitted to sufficient facts to support a guilty finding and was placed on 90 probation, allowing him to emerge without a criminal record if he abided the law during that period. Cutler said it's likely that authorities are using budgeted funds prior to the end of the fiscal year Saturday to gas up helicopters and do flyovers. We're seeing the last throes of police hostility to the charging laws, Coulter said. They're taking the position that if it's in plain view, it's somehow illegal. Another raid occurred on September 13th in Wendell at the home of residents who have valid medical marijuana cards. In that case, authorities seized marijuana plants from a couple because their plants were not secure and may have been visible from the street. Both are alleged violations of the law. Law enforcement may itself be stretching the definition of plain view, Coulter said, and he wonders whether raiding backyards constitutes a waste of public resources. Is this the way we want our public taxpayer money spent to hassle an 81-year-old law-abiding patient? 81-year-old uh, and law-abiding patients, Coulter said. Prospo said that the Massachusetts National Guard counter-drug team working under the Domestic Cannabis Eradication and Suppression Program and using a Department of Justice grant looks for medical marijuana plants that are outside of a locked, enclosed location that is fully inaccessible to any other persons each year during the summer growing season. The state, the recently seized plants were transported to a storage building in the Massachusetts State Police Headquarters in Firmingham where were all destroyed in controlled burns at an incineration site. None of the property owners are facing charges. I could go on and on, but this is just ridiculous. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stop with the war on drugs. You lost. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> That's kind of true. Drugs are kind of winning the war on drugs, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> they're, they're, they are more commonly available now than at any time in history. Yeah. But they keep the war going anyway. Well, of course they do. Well, Portugal it, showed the way you should go, but nobody's paying any attention to that. Well, and, and on a social level, it's just like, first, lighten the fuck up, you know? Um, but on an economic level, 
in this country, maybe they need to take a look at how much tax revenue the state of Colorado has generated. Well, when they, have to, re- when they have to return people's property taxes and give them $1,000 on top of what they returned because they've made so much taxation money with the medical marijuana uh, and, and the, you know, just legalized marijuana, I, I, I don't see what the problem is. Nope. Yeah, I mean, you have, yeah. an, you have the insanity where I believe it's still... Re- <laughs> the the budget mentioned in that for the yeah. police i know in lots of places in the southern states uh, a lot of that budget goes on them spraying yeah. roadsides cuz yeah. the damn plants grow wild <laughs> so they have to keep spraying the sides of the road <laughs> you know it's funny if you walk down the road in india they're fucking everywhere yeah they're fucking everywhere in everybody's Hacking off leaves. They are in southern away, Oklahoma, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you it's know, a wild once... plant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Oh, let's let's scare the poor eighty-one-year-old woman. That's nice. No, they just uh, pissed, they didn't scare her. They pissed her off from <laughs> the sense of things. Yeah. But yeah, she is a bit delusional if she thinks they aren't going to lock her up if she pushes it. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I I'm like. Oh, Granny, please don't say shit like that to the press. I mean, you're 81. You know, they will lock you up and make an example out of you. Yeah. All you have yeah. to do in this country, all you have to do anymore is write a fucking book exposing that taxation is illegal and they'll fucking put you in jail till you rot and die. Not let you see your family. Well, now, again, and here's, so. here's a question because they said it has to be secured where you can't get to it. So would she have gotten in trouble if she had wired an electric fence around that thing where it would have shocked the living shit out of you if you've gotten near it, would she have gotten busted for the fence? I don't know. But it's supposed to be where other people can't see it because seeing, because apparently seeing pot plants growing uh, leads to reefer madness. I was going to say it must induce reefer madness. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and and obviously public view is... If somebody's flying over in a helicopter and can see it, that's yeah, that's, that, that's ridiculous. public view. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. everyone's got a helicopter. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, it's just ridiculous. This is just more ridiculousness brought to you by the U.S. government and the war on drugs. So yay! Um, let's see. There's so much more to choose from. I mean, what's sad is we didn't touch half of this tonight, which uh, is fine. You you do have fine. an exceptionally large uh, selection this evening. Yeah, yeah, I don't normally. Some weeks I'm like, okay, I think we're good. Yeah, no. Um, there was, I think, something I talked about uh, and I didn't mention. Um, I, something I said we would talk about, and it's not the FCC thing. Oh, what the hell? This is a favorite of mine. Um, I've talked about over and over again, um, and I, I think we all have um, mechanization and what it's going to do to the job market. And yes, that makes me a luddite. But um, so this is just interesting. 
A big Dutch bank is replacing 5,800 people with machines at a cost of $2 billion. Now, you ask yourself, what would be the cost savings of that? Well, computers don't take breaks. Computers don't get sick. Uh, computers don't call out when their children are unwell. So, um, excuse me. Yeah, compu computers. Computers have other issues. <laughs> yeah. No, they. Oh, they do have other issues. Yeah, and many computers have personal stuff. issues. Yeah, <laughs> usually stemming from Microsoft. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No shit. I hate Microsoft. I really hate them. They build bloated crap on top of bloated crap that breaks your shit. I don't like them. I think they're. I think they have a shitty corporate model. I do. What? Why are they the number one program in America? I don't get it. But anyway, price. Um, a hundred bucks. Okay. Well, there's other systems that are free or cheaper. But anyway, I think people can do better. Um, European banks are desperately trying to find ways to save money in these strained times. ING, a major Dutch lender, announced this week that it plans to save 900 million, 1 billion, okay, 1 billion US a year by cutting 5,800 jobs as part of a, quote, digital transformation. Our further 1,200 employees will have their jobs changed or moved. This transformation. Hey, hang on. Stop, stop right there for just one second. Okay. You're going to eliminate 5,800 jobs. So what are those 5,800 people supposed to do for a job now? That's going to help the economy? Uh-huh. Somehow. Okay. Go ahead. Don't, don't, don't ask me how. Um, I've studied. I, I like money. So I've studied money, and that shit doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, this transformation doesn't come cheap. ING plans to invest... 800 million um that's that's british pound sterling euros. over the next euros oh, 800 million euros over the next five years on technology that will standardize its infrastructure data and other processes into one digital banking platform most of the job losses will be in full-time staff in belgium and the netherlands where risk management finance hr and it functions will be centralized in belgium the number of ing branches will be cut from 650 cut to 650 from 1,200. The bank is setting aside 1.1 billion euro for redundancy payments. Add it to the IT investments, the rough bill for replacing people with machines will run to the equivalent of more than US $2 billion. This has predictably irked unions. They're particularly angry because ING received a 10 billion euro payout bailout in 2008 to keep it afloat. ING's customers expect the same level of service from their bank that they get from Netflix, Facebook, or Spotify, says Raymond Velmuen, a spokesperson for the bank. And we have to adapt. The consequence is that we can do it with less people. In response to the union's gripe about the bailout, he says it wasn't the government's goal to ensure forever that employees were there. Instead, the clear objective was to save the financial system and make sure the people who had savings money in the bank that their money was safe. Some studies suggest that around 10% of jobs in rich countries are at risk of automation. The more rope tasks, the more susceptible they are to robot labor. A widely studied, cited study puts banking jobs like teller and loan officers at better than 90% odds of computerization. 
Upstart fintech companies are now launching banks that deliver services almost exclusively via mobile apps, bypassing the legacy costs of large workforces and outdated technology. Indeed, ING is far from alone in launching a costly technical transformation. Last week, Germany's Comser Bank announced that by 2020, it will digitize and automate 80% of its processes, cutting 9,600 full-time jobs at the cost of 1.1 billion euro as a result. Meanwhile, RBS is about to launch an online AI-powered customer service system, which can apparently read customers' moods and respond accordingly. It also presumably <laughs> never takes breaks and doesn't ask for perks. So if I flip the bird, it will read my mood? M maybe. <laughs> right, right. Here, here we go. Shall I tell you what's going to happen? Right. Go, go for it. They'll cut the jobs. They'll do the digital transformation. Within six mm -hmm. months, they'll have hired back half the people they just sacked to run the damn computer system. Because that's what... Lots of the British banks have already done this page. shit, and that's what happened. Yeah. They laid off loads of people, and then a few months later, they had to hire them all back again. <laughs> well, I mean, just because they had to hire them back doesn't mean that that's what they're going to do here. Although, apparently, you know, allegedly, this kind of happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I know personally a person who was laid off from a banking institution uh, two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And six months ago, they offered her the same job back again for more money. Because, you know, whatever they'd got into a place, what she'd been doing, hadn't worked <laughs> out. And they needed somebody who knew what the hell they were doing. And she told them to fuck off, basically. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. Mm -hmm. That's the way to do it. Because, um, th yeah, this happens in cycles in all the banks. Yeah, they, yeah, they come up with some bright idea, lay off a load of people. The bright idea doesn't work out, and they have to hire people back. It's, mm -hmm. It happens every so, couple of years or so, you know. Well, I mean, there's cycles that businesses go through especially as they get larger and they get really big into the stupid cycle and think only they know best. Yeah. You know, never dreaming that people might want to deal with a person, never dreaming that outsourcing calls to another country might piss their customers off and make them leave a branch. You know, I, they never think these things. And yet I know it's quite commonplace. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're going to love this one. Outsourcing calls. Mm -hmm. I, I, and this is kind of off topic. I get so many political survey phone calls. It's not even funny. Right. And some of the people end up in near tears. Some <laughs> of them are laughing profusely. Um, they'll ask me a question and I'll say what I'm voting isn't one of the choices. So I can't answer your question. The yeah. best one I got last week obviously came directly from India the guy, bless his heart, I'm sure in person I would have been able to understand him. Over the phone, it was atrocious. And he was trying to ask me about the, the elections in November. And after he repeated himself five times, I finally figured out that it was what he was doing. And I went, you're kidding me. They are having people in India call United States citizens and asking them how they're going to vote. I think you need to lose my phone number. 
Um, it, it was by all means the best of the political calls I got, with the exception of the bot call that I got from Donald Trump wanting me to give him $100,000, um, <laughs> which really made me laugh. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, no, no, no one's going to give you money, Mr. Trump. The, the best yeah. one with the foreign call centers. Um, I had a very short call with a call center. <laughs> it was India, as you say, and the guy was speaking in a thick Mumbai accent. Mm-hmm. But he opened with, Hi, my name is Frank. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, God. Yeah, your sure name's not is. Frank. <laughs> he's like, Yes, it is. It's like, no, it's not. What's your surname? And it's like such and such Patel. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, your parents did not call you Frank. So I think you better sort of end this call quite quickly before I put in an official complaint. And he's like, I do, uh, but but I need to ask you. So I don't care. You're li- you you've lied to me openly. I don't care. Frank, my name's Frank. Yeah. But lots of them do that. <laughs> it's 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 one of the jokes about. You know, the call centers. They thought oh, they know. thought that'd make them sound more authentic and friendly. It's like he can hardly speak English. How do you think that's gonna work? <laughs> oh my favorite one. Remember those commercials? My name's Peggy. Yeah. I those are my favorite call center commercials. I, my name Peggy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Peggy sure it is. So, well that's it. Yeah. I mean it's a well known joke now. I mean that, they did that for ages. Yeah. For the sheer number of complaints about it. Got them to stop doing it. Um, yeah. yeah, well, it might have, but it clearly didn't work. Okay. No. Um, this is the last story because we're coming up on the third hour mark. <laughs> 30 minutes to go. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be the last one. Okay. The CIA says it can predict social unrest as early as three to five days out because you can trust them. The reason a dynamic improvement in analytics cloud computing, and deep learning. What a difference 12 months can make. Last year around this time, CIA stood its first new office since 1963, the Directorate for Digital Innovation, a seismic shift for the agency that legitimized the importance of technology, including big data and analytics. According to Deputy Director for Digital Innovation, Andrew Hellman, men tapped by CIA Director John Brennan to run the digital wing, that digital pivot is paying off. The agency, Hellman said, has significantly improved its anticipatory intelligence using a mesh of sophisticated algorithms and analytics against a complex system to better predict the flow of everything from illicit cash to extremists around the globe. Deep learning and other forms of machine learning can help analysts understand how seemingly disparate data sets might be linked or lend themselves to predicting future events with national security ramifications. While intelligence analysts have access to the CIA's own classified data stores to sift through, they're also increasingly turning to open data sets, which Brennan has said this summer have turned into a tremendous advantage for the agency. We have, in some instances, been able to improve our forecast to the point of being able to anticipate the development of social unrest and societal instability, uh, some, I think, as near as three to five days out, Hellman said, speaking Tuesday at the next tech event hosted by government executives and next gov the event is part of a four-day festival 
which aims to look at what's next for the federal government and technology and management. What we're trying to do within a unit of my directorate is leverage what we know from social sciences on the development of instability, coups, and financial instability, and take what we know from the past six or seven decades and leverage what is becoming the instrumentation of the globe, Hellman said. In case that was clear as mud, yeah, they're looking at where there's no money and then seeing who's going to rise up. Think of it like James Bond beefing up his arsenal over the decades. In the 60s, 007 carried around his trusty Walter PPK and not much else. By 2015, Spectre, Bond wears an implanted transmitter, uses a laser microphone, and accesses an automated intelligence technology system that vacuums up all sources of intelligence. Of course, he still has that classic Walter PPK. It's now outfitted with an optical palm reader, so only Bond can fire it. CIA's transformation is about agents in the field who have more agility and understanding of digital awareness. The agency also employs cloud computing and office technologies to make sense of growing amounts of data. And that's better for analysts and operatives as well as policymakers they inform, Holland says. Whereas policymakers and key leadership have held decades-long confidence in intelligence attained from traditional spycraft, Hellman said until recently it was much harder to convey confidence for the policymaker who may make an important decision from advanced analytics with deep learning algorithms. However, with the inception of the digital directorate, that's changed, Hellman said. Analysts are becoming more proficient in articulating observations to policymakers derived in these new ways. What it adds up to, Hellman said, is a clear picture of events unfolding or about to unfold in an increasingly clear, unclear world. Oh, Couple of things. Okay, one, go. One, Spectre, worst Bond film ever. Right, that's out of the way. Right. Okay. Two, two <laughs> yeah, this whole, oh, we can predict, uh, you know, civil unrest three to five days in advance. Yeah, it's the CIA. Normally three to five days after they've dropped off the money and weapons, there's a bit of civil unrest. That's normally what the CIA do, after all. That, that's, you know, they have a decade of doing that. So it's right. not a huge surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I don't know. Something just seems unseemly about it. Well, yes, um, uh, they're not supposed it's, it's, to. They're not supposed to uh, do this on American soil, I believe, because that's yeah, not their mandate. Well, well, you know, it's not like they give a shit about mandates anymore, because yeah. apparently nobody's going to call them on it. And even if they do, you know, fuck you. We'll just go to court, and we'll have a bought-off judge tell you to go to hell. Yeah, because why else would they need uh, software to predict social unrest? Because if it's social unrest in another country, it's really nothing to do with the U.S. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Uh, so yeah, what are you doing this for? Here laughing. I'm still sitting here laughing at the next tech festival. I know. Oh, they always do that shit. It's sickening, well, it's really, really, isn't it's it? Jealous. Like. Ooh, I want to go to a festival. <laughs> I don't. I think they would search me for drugs. No, it's the CIA. Uh -huh. they'd, they'd give you drugs. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, they did do that, didn't they? Yeah. Here. We're going to test who's LSD. Gonna do the search. The what? You know, who's going to do the search? Who's going to do the search? It, it could be a fun event. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt it. If it's a festival... I highly doubt it. They'll probably have the TSA yeah. there. They'll probably have the TSA there yeah. showing off their whatever. They yeah. probably is... won't even give you a kiss first. 
Well, if if it's the TSA, they'll probably show their baton beating skills on brain injured women. You know. Yeah. Just just so, just so we can all see it. I don't know. I'm yeah. uh, I'm kind of disgusted with this stuff, and I also want to say, although I didn't read it, um, there was an article that came out recently, and it's all about people that are government contractors that are hired by the government and how much money the government accountability office says they waste and what they do. And they're all up to all kinds of shit, surfing porn, committing online crime, stealing bitcoins, all kinds of shit while they're on our dime and dollar. Um, that's yep. your money. You're, you're paying for this shit. You're paying for the shit a to be done to you and you're paying for it to be done in your name. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Well, and if I, I, I either one say... of the mainstream candidates is going to make this go away, you're stupid. I, I have to say, yep. you know, in, in, in slight defense, it is a well-known fact that if you have security of any sort anywhere, they will spend large quantities of time with porn. I, I, I know people that work as security guards and stuff. Anybody who works in security gets up. There's some, I know people who work in the industry. Some of them are <laughs> severely weird. Um, severely weird yes <laughs> as, as as opposed to like our normal brand of strange and weird that we have yeah yeah just, I'm, I'm, I'm talking needs lots of help from a therapist weird um because because they have some yeah interesting i i know quite a few of them who ended up in security because the military didn't want them that's all that tells you yeah. all you need to know. Well, right. I mean, they weren't we they, they weren't good enough for the low entry standards. For some Prozac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, um. I know. Well, I'll give you an example. <laughs> there's there's one I came across, right? And he basically completely devalued and wrecked his house, trying okay. to improve it. He sounds like a genius. Yeah. He's definitely somebody. He, I want he took a wall out and didn't realize he needed wall? to put yeah, and didn't realize he needed to put a beam in until afterwards. He then got the beam put in because somebody else pointed it out to him, and then he brought up the fact that oh yeah, and I didn't ask for any permissions to do this. <laughs> so oh, you've just voided your the insurance on your property and you won't be able to sell it well done because okay. <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah. he's made change, substantive changes to the building structure and he didn't one know what he was doing and two get the relevant paperwork in order so yeah this is, and this is a guy who works in private security it's like uh, mm -hmm. yeah well I feel safe and warm yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, all, all I'm going to say is I, I, this is what I talked about earlier, the, the story that I'm not even going to go into tonight. Um, if you're interested, this is from the general accounting office, just about the, the theft that we're paying for. Yeah. Um, this is ridiculous. Uh, and I don't know. I think about the only candidate I see who might be willing to cost to cut costs might be Johnson 
Maybe. And that's just going by his record as governor of New Mexico. And I'm not a fan of Bill Weld. At all. At all. But, you know, your VP pick is supposed to suck. They're not supposed to be good. They're your assassination insurance, I guess. Am I wrong in that assumption? Like, <laughs> like I mean, that's why Obama picked Biden, right? It wasn't because he was capable. No. <laughs> well, I, I, I have seen a few people point out <laughs> that this is possibly the first election cycle in U.S. history where people might actually prefer the VPs to the main choice. Because, yeah, exactly. you know, after what, especially after the these these debates, it's like, I, yeah, I gotta... at least the VP debates were quiet, calm, and reasoned. Um, you know, okay, they argued, but it was normal political argument. None of this schoolyard well, anyone shit. Who's, anyone who's been involved in the vaping community knew Mike Pence's name before oh, Trump yeah. got oh, his yeah. hands on him. And so it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, if Trump didn't make me want to go run screaming, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you have you ever noticed? Like, I was looking at Mike Pence the other day, and I noticed that that's what Eminem's going to look like in about forty years. <laughs> oh God! He does. He he does. He he looks like Eminem's dad. Yeah, I guess it, that's not a good look. That is not a good look to be sporting around. Just saying, but I guess you know. His whiteness nicely offsets the tangerine one. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do notice there have been lots of interesting Halloween pumpkin carvings. <laughs> yes, there have. To to do with certain orangeness, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I cannot. I I I can't stand Mike Pence. I can't stand Mike Pence. I, yeah. I can't. I you know. Even if somebody were to come and say, put bullets in the heads of the two presidential candidates, I, I don't think I could vote for the VPs. Uh-uh. Yeah, I just couldn't. I mean, you've got Pence and you got the other douche. Yeah, no. Douche, turd sandwich, it, it, it's a, it all sucks. It does. Yeah, vote third party. Uh, even if you're a Democrat, you know, I don't like Jill Stein. I think she would like me to make $2.25 an hour and put me on government assistance, which I would rather avoid, um, and try to make everything equal. But I still say she's better than Hitlery. <laughs> I well, really don't like that woman. The, the U.S. No. political thing that interests me at the minute is what Bernie Sanders is getting up to. I like his I, house, I, his I, second house. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. No, I'm more interested in how far his bill's going to get in Congress to do with you know, writing off property taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet there's a lot, a lot of very nervous politicians over that one. Especially well, one of the presidential candidates. One would hope. You well, know, in fact, both the presidential candidates have rather a lot of dodgy property. So, yeah. Well, they have a lot of dodginess all yeah. the way around. I and guess. Bernie Sanders wants to do away with a lot of the loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that that bill's probably never going to pass, but it's interesting. Nice distraction for all the congressmen. You know what's really sad? Um, I've read what Hillary plans to do. Jesus, she scares me. She's she scares the she scares the living shit out of me, and I don't like Trump. 
but I've read his plan. I will read everything that comes out from these candidates and I will go over it and I'll study it. He's still less of a war hawk than Hillary. That scares me. That's the Democratic candidate. Traditionally, the party of no war and civil liberties. Holy yeah. fuck. What this yeah. one wants to do scares me. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, you know she's going to cause problems more wise. Unfortunately, oh. you just know Trump will, by accident, not just that you know he'll god i mean this is a man who 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 will argue with somebody all 3 a.m over a minor point what's he gonna be like at international negotiation i gotta tell you he will end up ah going to war (laughs) just i don't just to win a point (laughs) i don't think he plans to do much presidenting no, I think um, he plans to asset strip and bankrupt like he usually gets up to with businesses. Well, I, I think yeah. he plans to do actually less damage than Hitler, but I also think he plans to leave everything in the hands of Mike Pence, and I'm uneasy with that. Yeah. I'm uneasy uh, with him. I'm uneasy. I'm so uneasy with her. I I can't even put it into words. It's This, this is the worst these are the worst of two choices they could have ever come up with. And by far, if you want to see something damning about the reason we ended up with these fucking assholes <clears throat> um, as, as your choices for Republican candidates, uh, let me go dig it up. I, I stuck it in Margot's window a couple of days ago because I couldn't fucking believe it. Um, Yes, it's Zero Hedge, but it's also been covered by other major news outlets. Just read this. Um, That one, and then there's another one, which is from her email leaks with Podesta. And the email leaks with Podesta are far worse. And the reason I tell you they're far worse is because they outlined the candidates that they wanted to build up and their plans for doing so. And their number one candidate that they wanted in the Republican primaries um, was Trump, but it was also Carson and it was also Cruz. And you, you notice who lasted the longest and it's because of Hillary's contacts with the press. It's absolutely disgusting. The things that happen with mainstream media in this country make me sick. It's disgusting. Don't turn on the news. It's not going to tell you anything you need to know. No. I was on to that from the beginning. Oh, shit, yeah. How could you not be? Mm -hmm. They won. Yeah, that was... This is what they wanted. This is what they wanted. Go ahead. The Zero Hedge link you put in there um, when you sent that to me. Yeah, Steve had found it all over the place that morning. Oh, shit, And... But it, we find it all over the internet and other people talking about it, but not a single fucking major media outlet even breathed a word of it. Well, like I said, it's the Podesta links that are far more damning to Hillary and the press right. in this country than anything else. I didn't even put up a link to that because it's so disgusting. I'm going to let people find it on their own. It's all over the place out there. You don't even have to look hard. You can look at Zero Hedge. Just type in the search bar Podesta and it will bring you up to all that stuff. Stuff you probably feel like you didn't need to know and you probably didn't. But it's still good to know where your media bias comes from. It's still good to know 
who owns those six corporations and who is making these picks for, you know, the highest office in the land. It's better to know than not to know. Doesn't Podesta come out with a lot of stuff that we don't hear about anywhere else? Well, no, uh, Leon Podesta, um, that was who was who Hillary was emailing about the plans that she and the Democrats had come up with to um, make Carson and Trump and Cruz like these, okay. these candidates that everybody took really seriously um, and that got all the media coverage because they were looking for shit on them way far back in their history so they could knock them down. Like... Um, well, Ben Carson. Wow, has he got a past? Uh, everybody does, and yeah. but but Trump's is the most um, public and the most easily used against him. I think. Um, although I I do think, judging by Hitler's face at the debates, um, she didn't expect him to play hardball with her. Yeah, but, there um, were sure a all the rest of, of that. I'm sure all that shit's going to come out, though, and it's going to be ugly. Um, but, you know, I can't wait till this shit is over. I just want to not hear from one of them for months and months and months. That would just be fucking nice. Whatever comes is going to come. Like I said, I don't think that's the office you need to focus on. I think you need to focus on your Congress critters and your Senate yeah. people. Um, yeah. And if they've been entrenched too long, get them the fuck out because we don't need more Absolutely. of shit. Absolutely. If if you want um, a bit, if you want a bit of light political relief, re, re, read up on the last week weeks uh, happenings with UKIP. Oh God! Yeah, isn't Nigel Farage back? Yeah. Why? That's just part of it. Go read; it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So as I say, when when when. When you had you had a debate, uh, and and they were quite aggressive with each other, yeah, that's nothing to compare to what happened with you, Kip, in the last week. There, there's a hospital involved. Really, go look it up. <laughs> I will, but you know what kills me is like I've I've seen the debates in the in Parliament in the House of Lords. I've seen them beating each other up yeah. over stuff, and then just go quietly back to their seats. It, it's fucking astounding. Yes. We're here, they, they have a debate and people are asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. or playing Pokemon. The, the the House of Lords especially is hilarious to watch because they still use old traditional political language. So, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got these insults. <laughs> and you're, you, you're sitting there going, you're listening to what's being said and a couple of minutes later you're going... Oh jeez, did he really just say that? <laughs> As it yeah, sinks into your head exactly what what oh, what insult yeah. was used. It's like it's it's hilariously funny. Okay, I refuse to go to a polling place this year. And this this is my last story and this is a personal story. Okay. So I said, "Okay, let's let's see what happens. I'm going to switch my party to Democrat." And then I'm going to request a mail ballot i did that within one day i had a ballot in my house at my house in the mail that was how quick it was so i said to my Whoa. husband i said well the listen so i said to my husband i said well 
honey, you know, you should really request a ballot yourself because, you know, we work such ridiculous hours. There's no guarantee we're actually going to get in online to the polling place before they shot. So he said, yeah, okay. So he did that. My husband is a registered Republican voter. It's been two weeks now. No ballot. I just think that's funny. I just thought I would throw oh that God. out there. I thought I'd throw that out there because I think it's funny. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so, what can I say? This is how it goes. And everybody I know who's a Democrat was registered for a mail-in ballot because now with all the elderly people in Florida, they don't call it like um, vote by mail anymore or anything like that. They, they call it, you know, it's not absentee voting. It's like vote by mail. And you have the yeah. option to do that without like losing your residency status or moving away or wh whatever. Anybody can do it. Um, yeah. Everybody I know who is registered a Democrat got their ballot within one day and none of the Republicans have gotten theirs yet. I just find that hilarious. That is funny. When back in the day when we registered to vote, which mm -hmm. was many, many decades ago, mm -hmm. um, here you had to pick Republican or Democrat. That was it. They would mm -hmm. not let you pick independent. They would not let you pick lib nothing. Yep. Well, we're talking 40 years ago, guys. Right. And 40 years ago, Jimmy Carter was around. Um, so we kind of, yeah, okay, yeah, we're, we're Democratic. We're not Republican if we have to pick between those two. We've never changed it. Right. And so it's been interesting, some of the, the political calls and polling I've got. I know they're pulling me mm -hmm. off of the, those lists. Yep. And it's, I know it's got to scare the shit out of them, what I'm saying half the time, which I think is wonderful. After the election, we are going to go down and change to independent. Um, but in this area, you have to do all that shit like 90 days before an election. Yeah. And so it's just, no, we're just going to wait. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. See, see well, it's, it's far more interesting in some ways in the UK because here you just register to vote. You don't have to put in your political allegiance at all. That's how it should be. Because yeah, our voting exactly. our our voting system is completely separate from the political parties. Right. It's independent from the government. Well, well that's it should how be it independent should be. from the government, but it's not. Um, yeah. So we have like five minutes left <laughs> before we run out of Mixler. So, um, parting thoughts, Margo. Don't go to a hospital. <laughs> Don't get sick. Um, vote for who you want to vote for, not who you think is the lesser of two evils. Um, check to see if your software is being spied on. And uh, when all else fails, bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. Um, there <laughs> Very parting thoughts. Well, I'll add to the hospital thing. If you do have to go to any health location, doesn't have to be a hospital, even, you know, any public thing, alcohol, rub, rubbing alcohol, you know, you get gel stuff these days. Yeah, that kills MRSA and C. diff, which are the two biggest problems, problems from, you know, infections we talked about earlier. Um, I would add to that uh, thieves' oil. 
I live with that shit on me all season long. Last year I didn't, and I got pneumonia. Um, so this year that stuff has made a radical appearance, and I smell like Christmas every day, and I don't give a shit. I am not getting sick again. Um, I just got a new bottle. You, but you don't need to get like Young Living Thieves Oil. Like plant therapy cells uh, are yes. perfectly good oil that's like thirteen dollars. Germ fighter or something. Isn't germ, it? germ fighter synergy. It's like fourteen dollars yeah. for thirty mils. Yep. You, you you break it down with fractionated coconut oil and stick it in a roller ball. You know, wear it as perfume, whatever. Just keep yourself safe. Um, and uh, I use that shit as a hand sanitizer. Just because it kills fucking everything. And yep. I'm I am not really trusting of places where people need health care anymore. Uh, and um, yeah, don't vote for the lesser of two evils if you can make yourself do it. Um, advert and uh, song. Okay. Thank you. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices fast. Amoseek.com. Have a great night, guys. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.